Welcome to PowerPlay. I'm Sam DeLev, but in Port Ruby, I'm Dr. Caden D'Alto. What you are about to hear is the audio from our Twitch stream. If you'd like to watch the show, it's live on Sundays at 5 p.m. Pacific on twitch.tv slash qtimes, q-u-e-u-e-t-i-m-e-s, or you can catch up with our archives on YouTube. For more information, follow us on Twitter at PowerPlayRPG. Hello, and uh, welcome to the PowerPlay post-series Q&A that you unlocked uh, in our series finale. Uh, thank you so much for that. And uh, yeah, so here we are, and we're doing this thing. I am Rick Budd, um, once upon a time your game master, now just some guy. Uh, and, you uh, that right now, sir. <laughs> and uh, that that was that there was Sam Delev, um, uh, formerly your Cadrax ever singer, and uh, uh, there's uh, Omar Najam, uh, your Vion Vigor, Caitlin Bruder, your Benny Beckett, and uh, B Zelda, your Ulez Galley. Hi everybody! Hi again. I missed miss you, people. Ben. I missed you. Oh my God! Seriously, <laughs> can you give us like a? I need like a recap. Um, I would like yeah. last time on Power Play. <laughs> Uh, previously on Power Play, uh, four superheroes went through a bunch of stuff, Ooh. and it mostly worked out okay for for most people. Um, not everybody, but 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 you know, a, a good majority, I would say. Um, and uh, yeah, so uh, I'm going to start by throwing a special thanks, as usual, to Jake and the mods and everyone at Q Times. Um, uh, thank you so much uh, for coming back for us one last time. Um, and uh, your your subs and your bits help support Q Times, and um, and that's all you know. We're going to be hitting you up for tonight. There there are no reward tiers. There's there's no unlocks tonight. This one is on the house uh, because you unlocked it in the previous game. Um, uh, you can still get Power Play merchandise. There are uh, T-shirts and stickers with Caitlin's incredible character art. Um, uh, T. Omar's got one of those stickers there. Yeah, uh, Caitlin's got a sticker with a uh, Hector Lowe's uh, logo. Um, my they, girlfriend they bought one of the shirts, and she wears it all the time. Yeah. Oh my God, really cool. <laughs> B, uh, give your girlfriend a hug on all of our behalves. Uh, yes. Um, on yeah, that you, you can get those <laughs> shirts and stickers in season one, season four, or season six character art, depending on whether you want to see these characters at the beginning, middle, or end of their journeys. Um, they're all awesome. Uh, and um, Jake, I'll put the link for the Q Times uh, store uh, down in the chat for you. And uh, you can still follow the show at Powerplay RPG on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, every piece of art we've ever received is up on Instagram. If you ever want to see that, like all the fan art and stuff and everything Caitlin's done. Um, and uh, the Twitter account, you know, if, if we ever have any kind of future plans for the Powerplay universe or just for this crew, uh, that is where you are most likely to hear about it first. And, and we, we try and tweet out about, you know, everything we can about other projects uh, that uh, these four incredible people are involved in. Um, and, uh, so it's, you know, still worth a follow, I think. And, um, and that's the announcements. Time for the power play Q and A. We're back. Um, most of us are back. Um, <laughs> B is just fixing a little technical thing, uh, and we'll be back 
any moment now. So we're, uh, you know, we're just going to try and vamp here until B's back. I can, I can do the, you know, oh, there we go. <laughs> we should have just re-performed the opening title sequence, but like, <laughs> I just want a fully orchestrated version of just like, I want French yes. horns. Yeah. Yeah. I want full strings. Mm-hmm. I want mm-hmm. timpani, gosh dang it. Yep. <laughs> it's got a chorus that would in be the awesome. back. <laughs> Honestly, that would be amazing. Um, and I, I have a second monitor now, so I can actually see some of the chat. <laughs> Let me try and keep monitoring that. I see our, our good buddy, uh, <laughs> our good buddy, Daily Dale. Uh, our own Destiny <laughs> Benediction is there. Hello, Dale. Um, and, uh, and hello, everybody. Um, we got a lot of questions, uh, and a lot of them call to everybody. So um, I'm going to try and get through as many of these as possible, even for people who ask more than one question. We're going to try and do everything if we can. Um, uh, so let's just jump in, and you know we're going to get started. Um, uh, I'll ask a question, and uh, if it's directed at someone, I'll, I'll let you know who that is. If not, you know, if I know the answer, I'll just spit it out. And if anybody else has anything to uh, to, to add, um, these are in no particular order, really. Uh, um, uh, but okay, so the first question I have here is from uh, BioLug, I think it says. And uh, did you have a session zero? And if so, how did it go? What did you discuss? Um, so we, we did have a session zero, actually. Uh, I seem to remember it was fairly short and like the team, uh, I, I gave them like a little sort of like a weird kind of plot preview where there was like a gas that was making people fight. And um, uh, they, 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 they like went to a bar and then like wound up, I think like in the sewers, like tracking around underground, looking for something I honestly can't remember. And then like it kind of ended on a cliffhanger where like, a monster or, or some kind of water was rushing after them. I can't even remember what it was. And it was yeah. just sort of like, machine, it has, right? big what, what was machine? it? A big drill machine. Yeah. A big drilling machine. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, like, it's like bearing down on them and we're like to be continued. And it was like, at least for me, you know, it was so great. Just like watching the immediate chemistry between these four. I was like, well, that's all we need. We're ready for this. <laughs> you know, um, what, what about, what about you, you guys? What do you remember about session zero? Were there alligators in that one, or was that in the real campaign? That was a real campaign. That was, that was definitely in the real campaign. Yeah. But remember when we were in the actual power play and went into the sewers and we found the Viking runes? Yeah. And yeah. there was a substance, and I used yeah. Benny's granola. You know why I did that? I felt the resonance with the session zero. I was like, there was a weird substance produced by like a, a petrochemical company yeah. in the sewers in that one. Yeah. Maybe oh he goodness. did carry it over. And so that was why I had the toxic sludge mm-hmm. on my sheet all six seasons. Yeah. In that yes. Yes. I think that might've been That's the same beautiful. episode with the alligator in the sewer. Um, I think, yeah, we met the alligator yes. first. Yeah, that was well, why there's, right. there's, there's overlap in my brain of those. <laughs> Makes yeah. sense. Um, and uh, okay, so moving right along, um, the next question comes from Fireboss, uh, who says, "Did the characters roll for powers randomly, or were they chosen to fit a concept?" I, I think they were all chosen to fit a concept, but you know, uh, real quick, uh, let, you know, starting with B, um, how'd you choose your powers? Uh, chaos mostly. You ask me, you really, you ask really good pointed questions to try and like give me some direction because um, I'm naturally rather uh, a directionless person. <laughs> uh, and 
it was very much like tabula rasa it was like you can do anything you know like superheroes aliens somebody from earth like you don't even have to look like a person and that was overwhelming so i fell back on like my favorite um pop culture reference which is dragon ball z uh and my my original internal goal was to like lean towards creating this like super saiyan and they're aliens who come to earth for one purpose or another um so you know a little bit of goku was in that and that's kind of why like the light blast um i i wanted light shooting through the hands so i think that was the exact uh reference you gave me for the final art yes i couldn't help it It was kind of like okay i gotta i gotta lean into it you know there's no avoiding it (laughs) um so yeah i i guess i kept up with that image (laughs) sam uh well because I had done some previous superhero projects, and I do think I've, I've talked about it a little, that I wanted to do something different in flavor, though as far as how the in- superpowers interacted mechanically, I wanted something very similar. Which is to say, I really enjoy power sets where I interact with them by going, hey, so what's going on around here that I can use in any given moment? Because I it... it I am not as powerfully instinctive as B. Like, I can't just have good thoughts off the dome. And so for me, that kind of thing is hard mode. That kind of thing is challenging. Um, Like, trying to come up with something all of the time is a really fun and engaging challenge for me. And so I tried to think of powers that would be uh, versatile, like uh, technopathic powers had been for me with previous superheroes. Um, I thought about ice powers um, because thermodynamic energy is just in general very, very cool. And there's a whole lot you can do structurally with ice. Like you could use stuff in a whole bunch of ways. Um, But I had played an ice superhero um, one time once in a home game um, with Rick and Amy, and I, I didn't want to repeat myself in front of Rick because I wanted him to think that I was creative and impressive and stuff. Um, so then I, I chose like uh, mechanical waves um, as as a power. What do, you, what do you like on dope? Of course, I think I would. I would. I spent like I ninety games of Tempting Fate with you. How could I not know that you're creative and impressive? Oh my god! Um. Look, I had to try to make up for all that. Okay, <laughs> I did the best I could. And you played at least two superheroes in Dumping Fate, right? We did the DC Comics episode and the Bat- Batman villains. Oh, and, and Sp- uh, Spider into the Spider-Verse. And now Sun Spider is out and it's really exciting. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You you anticipated that by quite a while. Um, so the next question is actually from Night Dragon. It's what's the inspiration thought process behind creating your characters? So it's kind of the same question. So why don't we just take this all the way down the line? Uh, Omar. Um, oh man, what a big question. I mean, originally I kind of stole the idea from Dale, um, in terms of the spirit of the West as a character creation. Um, but I remember when we were talking Rick originally about like what the show is going to be like and what to do with the characters, a lot of like superhero stuff is reinforcing masculine propaganda. Um, and a lot of like fascism and neo-fascism where it's like, I'm strong and healthy so I can do whatever the hell I want. And you're just like, that's not not true. Um, So the idea of creating a character where we would start to deconstruct that stuff, but like internally, not from the outside of just like, let's beat up this dude and then 
make him feel bad. It's not that's not really an analysis of those themes and tropes. And so the idea of taking someone who was rooted in the Wild West and who had like a cowboy origin and had like a, an authority symbol, the sheriff's badge, and then slowly pulling those threads and be like, what's underneath this and what can we wash away that's bad and what stays and what remains for the character. So that was it. Um, and then we also thought that Postcog would um, tell stories easy, <laughs> easily. <laughs> it would help with the mysteries. Yeah, I remember with, with Vion, there was like, you know, you, first you were like, oh, I want phasing the flash of power. And then we talked for a while. And then at the end of that conversation, it was like, ooh, what if he's like a ghost and he's naturally phased and his power is to become solid? And then it was like, you know, we just started like kind of spitballing and it just like over the course, you know, it's like the, the character sort of kept changing. And it's like, what if he's not even the ghost that we think he is? He's actually, you know, and it just kind of, you know, over, I mean, for the first three seasons or so, we just kept kind of pulling V on and stretching that concept more and Just more. everyone knows what it's like to work with Rick. You'll like work on, like you'll discuss something that you thought about for like 15 minutes and then Rick will be like, great, cool. What if, and then we'll turn the entire idea on itself and we'll like completely revolutionize the concept and be like, what about this genius take on it? Like, what if we redid the idea of ghosts? And you're like, yeah, actually that's, a, yeah, that you're right. Yeah, that's actually pretty good. Or you could give him so much and he will actually read and care about all of it. Oh, yes. You can give him an arbitrarily large amount and he will genuinely be enthusiastic about reading it and have engaged (laughs) with it and like think about it and like... Or you give him a seed that you were going to plant but forgot about, so it got a little weird, but it's still a good idea. And then he takes it and grows into something beautiful. Oh, Rick, you're fantastic. And we could not have created the story without you. Yes, yes. A million times, yes. Stop that. I'm so ah! happy I was trying to save my backdrop uh-huh. through all that. It sounded like... Uh-huh. Mm. Uh, no, y'all y'all are just... I mean, honestly, it was like... Yeah, it's just you, you put in so much incredible stuff to work with. It's like it's so easy to build this series around your ideas. Caitlin, what about Benny? I think I've mentioned this before. I don't remember for sure. But so when I was really young, my friend and I would get together like every weekend and we would write short little stories together. Um, and like, we didn't know the concept of tabletop RPGs, but that's like, we would pick a genre and then like make little characters in it and then write all our little stories. And one of the stories we wrote was about superheroes and there was a character that we had made and her name was Piper, Piper Rhodes. And she, her body could turn into magma. Um, and I was, uh, I, that was kind of, when I, when I was first concepting Benny, I knew that I wanted to do a character who didn't really have full control, um, and was like new to it, kind of scared of it. And like her, her arc was going to be like learning to control it or learning to appreciate it or whatever it kind of became. But I knew that the beginning, she was going to have this kind of tenuous, uh, just like kind of on just not not quite comfortable with with powers kind of a thing and i i had looked into like i was gonna right away i was gonna do like a hulk kind of powers uh i we when we first started talking about fire we were like oh is it emotionally triggered is it and it kind of ended up we ended up flavoring it that way but there was like a limit that was that it it, it was only triggered with strong emotions but we figured that would kind of be rough to to, 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 to like execute well um and i think i looked into like like something werewolf style, something like, um, like the thing, but uh, sort of. I don't. Know, I had a lot of like that, and we, we. I came back to. I kept coming back to 
fire. And uh, I ended up basing Benny a lot on uh, the on Piper, this character my friend and I made when we were tweens, um, but refined, you know, with a little bit, a little bit more nuance. But yeah, no, she's fully inspired by by a character that that I made with with my best friend when we were little. So that's so cool. Um, okay, so the the B part of this question is, and for Rick, which NPC was the one you like creating the most? Um, and I, I couldn't even begin to, to, to honestly answer that. But, you know, if you put a gun to my head, uh, yeah, I'd be very upset. But I would probably answer, um, you know, either like... Top either, three. Top three. Yeah. Okay. Does that make it easier? Um, yeah. Then you Maria? can only pick three of our four NPCs. <laughs> oh, Maria. All right. None, yeah, none Mar- of our NPCs are Port Ruby. Um, truly, she was the coolest, but go ahead. Yeah, well, I mean, you did that, you know. It's like I, there, there was no plan for Maria and 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 Ulez to like form, you know, a <laughs> hive mind like that. So unbelievable you, to me, like honestly, one of my <sighs> favorite moments of the whole series is like the, when, when you did that, and I was like, oh my god, I know what's gonna happen now. Um, so yeah, definitely Maria. Just something like I like just something about this sort of you know sort of sad kind of Frankenstein story that kind of played out over, you know, decades and, and you know, and was, you know, was, was very, you know, a cab. Um, and, uh, um, prob- probably, you know, I, I have to say like, you know, Don, you know, Donnell Tyranin, um, it sort of like just had to put like a lot of thought into sort of stretching out, you know, kind of like, what he was doing over over the time in Port Ruby and why he was doing it and you know how his life kind of fit in into the show, um, and if I had to pick a third, uh, man, this is tough. And like these aren't like necessarily my favorite NPCs, but just the ones that I like creating the most because like you know some of my favorite NPCs turned out to be like Sandy, you know, who was just <laughs> like you know I like I, I needed somebody to wake Vion up. <laughs> first the first the beginning of the show so like the, you know that was it i was like okay there's a guy who wakes me on up i guess he's his landlord you know um it, like uh you also so, like, gave the what was the actor uh cheech cheech marin yeah. yeah like that's just delightful as soon as i heard that not only was it somebody that i recognized which is rare for the cast of npcs that we've we've that you've created um but just a delightful personality in that npc that was just going to be a throwaway Ah, uh, yeah, and I love Chi-Chi, great. Um, I'm, I'm sorry we never got to fit Chong into the show. But, uh, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, 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 perhaps. Um, a third one? Uh, oh, my God, this is, like, impossible. I, 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 don't, I don't know. Um, uh, um, maybe Lila Pendry uh, as sort of, you know, and that's one that sort of, again, got created, like, over the course of the show. And, you know, at first it was just like, I need somebody to speak for Project 5. And then bit by bit, she started showing up more and adding more of her personality. And then when time traveling, like, you know, suddenly there was a reason to give her a past and, and, and relatives and stuff. And it's like, she sort of flushed out. Too, as, like, yeah. yeah. So so that one was definitely great. Um, and... Uh, and I've wasted, and I've already used enough time on answering that. So um, the next question comes from uh, uh, Victoria Gale, I think. And um, how much did you decide at the beginning, uh, and and how did you decide it? Um, Rick mentioned the show was always going somewhere, 
And this kind of goes hand in hand with the next question, uh, which, you know, sort of aimed at me. Um, how much did you plan in advance as story arcs from season one through six? And did you envision the ending when teasing the lore drop in season one? Um, and it's like, uh, in, in a second, while, you know, I'll hand this off to the players so they can talk about how much they plan to their characters in advance. But like for the show itself, it's like, um, I, I, I had a, you know, I, with my writing and sometimes with my creative stuff, I have like a little maximum I sometimes use for my, you know, keep myself going, which is like, you need a star to navigate by. And like, uh, in, in, in this instance, like the star to navigate by was sort of like, I kind of knew I wanted like a bad guy, you know, who would sort of stretch over the course of the series and like be revealed bit by bit. And like, I lived in Manhattan for a long time and I've talked, I've told the cast about this, but it's like, uh, when I used to live in Manhattan, I used to think all the time, um, you know, I was taught in school that like uh, the Dutch bought Manhattan Island from the indigenous population for like $24 worth of trinkets or something like that. I don't know if that's a true story or if it's apocryphal or whatever, but whatever the case is like, clearly some nasty, shitty colonial stuff, you know, went down and, and, and the city of Manhattan was all sort of built on top of all those colonial evils. And like, you know, eventually one day, you know, when I started thinking about building a superhero story, I was like, what if all, all the colonial evil that the city was built on top of was personified into a guy? And, and, you know, and he was just buried literally underneath the city, you know, kind of waiting to emerge. So it's like, I, I kind of always, you know, when I did the lore drop in, in the first game, it's like, I didn't have a name for Donnell Tyrann, and I didn't have a name for the Alchemist. I didn't have a name for the Star of Astrovia. I didn't exactly know the details of any of their stories, but I, I knew that like, this guy represents colonial evil and, and the whole city. He, he's for some reason, he is buried under the city and, and, and will emerge for, you know, the final season or something like that, or the second half of the series. Um, and it's like by season two, I had figured out a little bit more of it. Actually, Declan Eklund in, uh, in, in the episode, I think we called Endeavor. Uh, Declan Eklund tells the team essentially like, you know, this whole town is, you know, this whole city is built on top of evil and it's in fact, its mm -hmm. DNA is infected. And in the end, we're all going to tear each other apart. And it was like, you know, right there, like in, by the, by, by the, by season, you know, the middle of season two, I kind of, I knew in some vague sense of, you know, what the big fight of the finale would sort of look like, but the rest of it kind of just picked up, you know, as it went. And it's like, otherwise it's like, I knew I wanted to go to space. Um, mm -hmm. Although, you know, I didn't, you know, those, 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 the space season kind of took shape as we did it. And I knew, I knew I wanted to time travel at least a little bit. Really? Um, yes. Uh, hmm. I love time travel stories. And yeah. I, I always, I always wanted Benny to be the source of her own power. It was ah. like, that's um, so good. Yeah, I was just sort of like, you know, I, I you know, Caitlin didn't want to know how Benny got her powers, mm -hmm. so she told me to make something up, and I was like, hey, you know, experiment, parent with superpowers, all felt kind of plotty, and it was like I kind of wanted something with a little bit more like thematic resonance to it, and it, like it felt to me that like you know, you know, you can be the source of your own power, your you know, the fire inside you. Um, it just felt, you know, stronger. So I, I knew we would have to time travel for that, but I didn't know if that was like a sequence or an episode or, and it kind of turned out to be a whole season, but like, uh, um, so it's like, I, I had little kernels and ideas here or there, but for the most part, it's like, I, I didn't really plan out a season in, in, until we started it. And then lots of revising as we went, as I sort of like, okay, I know where this season's going. And then after the first game, it's like, oh no, it's not going there anymore. Um, but 
but always in the best way. Um, so like, yeah, so for the four of you, how much, you know, at the beginning, did you know about where you wanted your characters to go? And it's like, I, I know some of these answers kind of myself, but real quick, let's go through the line. Let's start with Caitlin. Um, I kind of said, I, I just, all I knew right off the bat was that I wanted to play a character who didn't really have a, a very good relationship with her powers. Uh, and that kind of just took shape into low stability, low control. Um, I saw someone in chat ask, but why the big? <laughs> and the answer to that is every single, um, every single power I took for Benny, um, was decided the week of when we were doing it because I like, because I didn't want to, the only thing I knew was going to come was the lava. I knew she was going to go from fire to magma when she at a, at a, at a character arc relevant point when I felt like she was getting a handle on it. So it was kind of all of Benny's changes in the end. This was never, this was never the like original vision for like all of it. It was just for the first one, but every single one of her power changes ended up being um, relevant to or coming at a time when she was uh, growing or evolving. So she was like, okay, I'm just getting comfortable. And now the power is going to swerve on her. <laughs> and that was all kind of unintentional. And the big was just like a thing where she was starting to feel really comfortable in her own skin. She was, but she was still hiding. And I was like, okay, how can we, how can we make this more difficult for her? <laughs> in one, I, I think if, at that change, I was thinking of either leaping, which is like not quite flying, but like, whatever. And I was like, I need some sort of, I'm the only one without travel, a travel ability. And so I was looking at leaping and then I was like, but what if big, well, what if I was really big? And then I remembered Tafiti. I think I said that when, when we first got that power and it just kind of became that sort of thing. And then later she became, it was, she was a star and it, none of that was from the, none of that was planned in the beginning. None of it, like the only thing I knew was fire to magma and everything else was just, just came as the story went um i don't remember if i've said this on on the show or not but when rick described benny's when she gave herself her powers like i said i didn't know any of that was going to be the case but when rick described her getting her powers and saying that the magma went white i was like oh that's gonna stay like that's now that's on purpose now like that's gonna stay this like there is there she's giving this change to her younger self but now her younger self is gonna have an influence on her now um and so every time that, that kind of like anytime there was another big change, another major thing, something changed. So the, it, it went from the powers to like the visual, the, the visual change. And so she started to get to like the like nebula look and then she was getting bigger and all of that stuff. So long, long, long answer short, I didn't really plan anything. Um, Benny took Benny took me there. Benny took Benny kind of had her little journeys and everything. Every step she took kind of influenced where her powers went. I didn't plan any of it ahead of time. I just wanted to see what happened with her. So. <laughs> <laughs> Omar. Um, I didn't have a whole lot planned, honestly. Um, I would have cast this talented. Um, I thought it'd be fun to have a character that was aimless until the very moment that he met the team and that he would find um his direction with everybody and kind of explore that and fit into the dynamic. I think the only thing is I came into it that are like funny enough, like falling to the end is that I knew that he took his life for granted and that he wanted a purpose. And I think that the way that the story ended for Vion, it was really interesting because I think he finally appreciated life, but in finding a purpose, realized that it would require 
sacrificing his time. Um, and so it was like a very bittersweet achievement of like a, a, a goal. Um, but that was the main thing was just coming in and just being like, this guy's got very little going on and like building the family and like falling in love with everybody and like discovering what makes life important through the other characters was kind of just what drove him. So, yeah. Sam. Um, okay. Uh, an abridged summary of my thought process. Okay. Not a, not a superhero I've played before. Not a mutant. Okay. What other kind of superheroes exist in Marvel? Well, there's magic. I don't really have very much to say about magic. And if I did, I probably want to do it in the context of Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. Aliens. All right. Why would an alien be on earth? Well, okay. If they're there because they are lost, I'm probably going to be like kind of scared a lot. And I don't really want to play into a nervous. That just doesn't feel like fun bleed. Okay. Really happy tourists. Like, you know, two flower out of Discworld kind of vibe. No, I've actually done that, and I've done it with an alien before, so that would be a bit repetitive. Okay, what if I was there to conquer? Oh, wow. Um, do I think I even can play a heel? It's certainly not something I've done before, uh, but then at least colonialism can be its own heel, because I will be in a, a, an alien. Uh, the tip of the spear in an alien invasion. And I don't know that Rick is about to do something like that that's also thematically aligned. I'm coming up with this just to try to do something I haven't done before. Okay, we came here and I probably don't want to be fresh off the boat or I will constantly be discovering absolutely everything all of the time. And that's maybe a little too much. So I've been here for a while. So the invasion must have failed. I've been, I'm an alien who came here on a failed alien invasion, and that is as far as I've gotten because I didn't look up anything like immortality and by extension, any Eversinger lore or anything related to that until I needed to find another power that apparently wasn't going to be sound because, I mean, they have their shtick and then they had another shtick. Um, so everything came from just trying to find another power for that. None of that was planned. Um, and so I suppose it is a serendipitous confluence of events that both Rick and I wanted to say, fuck colonialism, with the entirety of our torso. Yeah, that dovetailed very nicely, actually. Um, B. Nah, I don't really plan anything. So it was. You are a perfect creature. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, uh, not literally nothing you know and like rick again i just am so grateful for how you work with me because i'm often the uh nightmare player uh but uh we... whoever told you that you should punch them in the nose maybe i'll karate chop them in the throat when i see them that nuts. works that works yeah yeah, yeah. give me names uh, and addresses i'm literally on my way time. Uh, the whole time you were with us uh you never left our site <laughs> yeah. oh, everybody so in chat we'll, we'll, we'll back that up yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it so nonetheless though like yeah I, zero plans nothing prepped because that's how I like to play games but sometimes I know that stresses a lot of people out and it worked flawlessly what's amazing <laughs> is that like everybody came with different combinations like, like you know from B on one side and sort of mm -hmm. you know was like I don't want to know anything surprise me with everything you yes. know to like you know uh, other people came with varying degrees of like I know a lot of what I want to do but surprise me about like you know my origin like Benny or something like that and you know and Sam who had like sort of a little bit of a backstory it was like we'll figure the rest out as we go you know uh, stuff like that it was like uh, just such a great mix of different kinds of characters and different kind approaches to it and 
and and and Vion. It was just like me and Omar just would kind of check in once a season and start like just spitballing like you know what what crazy crap can we do with Vion this season you know, um, but uh, all right so Chandra, the amazing Chandra, hello if you are out there we love you, um, wants to know what is your character's favorite food. Uh, and Rick can pick a random NPC. So let's start with B. What's Willis's favorite food? <laughs> um, those salads that like have like fruits and nuts on them, um, and salad dressing on the side, since that ruins the essence of being able to scoop leaves up and kind of play with them while everybody else eats. Sam, what is Cadrax's favorite food? Well, they had, like, so they were introduced to the rice, as we all know. Um, and they were separately introduced to cake. I think we very briefly alluded to the meltdown that happened about that, which is neither rice nor cake. Um, but I do believe that after the uh, the expectations were so upset about rice cakes. Um, I think they had a certain appeal because they're but a textural canvas for so many other experiences and yet at least to Cadrax's palette, whole in themselves. Like you can just have a rice cake and it isn't rice and it isn't a cake, not in the way that you kind of think that they are. Is it taxonomically not relevant here? Um, but I think once you get over that it's not rice and it's not a cake, it's pretty great, kind of like humans. It's a, it's a metaphor for their experience with humanity. Rice cake. Omar, what is Vion's favorite food? Um, if coffee doesn't count because it's a drink, I would say whatever... Um, Vion would say like whatever takes like the most amount of time to prep and get right uh, that you can like obsess over. Um, but really, it would be donuts. Yeah, I respect yeah. that. Um, <laughs> Uh, Caitlin, what is Benny's favorite food? I believe at one point she said, uh, Benny said that she really liked tikka masala. So I'm going to go with that. Because if I said that in game, I'm going to stick with it. <laughs> By the way, speaking of, speaking of Benny, I see Benny's best friend is in chat right now. <gasps> Drac. Hi, Drac. Um, the the awesome Drac uh, our own Will Walton. Um, yeah. yeah, come to California, Drac. Come, come in with us. Uh, I believe... You should message Drac later. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to out Drac's travel plans, but you know, <laughs> hit, hit him up. <laughs> but you, but you will. You don't want to, but you're totally doing it. I believe it was <laughs> tweeted publicly, so I don't. Yeah, I don't feel that. Yeah, bad. yeah, yeah. Just yeah. so everyone's uh, clear. Yeah, this is yeah, public knowledge. <laughs> um, librarian Liz, hello, librarian Liz. We love you too. Um, wants to know what book would everyone and their characters check out the most from the library um so let's go in reverse uh, we just did so caitlin what i guess it says everyone and their characters so caitlin real oh, fast boy. let's let's do these you and benny book that you would check out of the library most often oh geez if i have to do me too um i i might say the same for both which would be a collection of Dorothy Parker stories, short stories. I think it would be the same. I think, yeah, I have three, I have three copies. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that, I think that that would speak to Benny when she was little, it'd be, it'd be photography books or Starbucks, but like as Benny is an adult, it would be, yeah, Dorothy Parker short stories. 
I admire that efficiency. Um, okay. Uh, Omar. Um, for both, I think it would be uh, a book that's the hidden history or forgotten history of Port Ruby. Um, because for me, that's very cool. I think there's magic, uh, like you said, Rick, like hidden in histories. Um, for Vion, it's literally true for someone who posts cogs. So I do think that that would be a thing where he would constantly be like, yeah, what's in this alleyway? Oh, there was like a thing that happened here. Great. Let's watch that. That's awesome. Um, Sam. Um, for me, I suppose just purely descriptively, it was The Six Wives of Henry VIII by Alison Weir, the book that I've checked out the most because um, it was the book that I read whenever I was reading what I wasn't supposed to be doing in elementary school. Um, and I honestly just kind of wanted to read it enough to get an answer. Why would someone be like that? Um, for Cadrax, um, I, it, it's it's going to be... Look, the obvious answer is Grey's Anatomy, but that's just because that is the book that I would pick it's like kind of the headline quick check like one medical textbook i can think of i think in reality we're either looking at harrison's principles of internal medicine or schwartz's principles of surgery um the latter was more occupationally relevant the former i think would make them a slightly better doctor and i think they might therefore gravita gravitate toward it because even surgeons uh barbarous though they are uh, should know a little bit of internal medicine b um, I spent the past two minutes panicking for an answer. Uh, um, so the B answer is I read just a lot of fantasy books, but had I been comfortable checking out manga, I probably would have read like Naruto as a kid. I would have read One Piece much earlier. Uh, so that, uh, Ula's... Other than like maybe maybe like encyclopedias or um, like books on botany, there's a kids um, book series by Robert Munch that I read a lot growing up and I recently came across them again. And it's just like very basic stories about like tiny humans doing human things and it just teaches the tiny humans how to be human. And I really like that. And I think Ulez would enjoy the pictures and it would like the whole series would have just been checked out repeatedly. All right. Um, so first of all, I just realized I forgot to answer Chandra's question from before about the random NPC's favorite food. So I'm going to say Henry Park is a pepperoni pizza man. Um, <laughs> all about pizza by the slice. He lives in Port Ruby. It's it's all really good there. Um, and uh, Henry Park, all about the pepperoni. Um, and uh, for the books, it's like, you know, I don't have a character, but for me personally, it's like, since we're doing, since a lot of people are going for stuff that they did when they were a kid, you know, and, and I don't know if there's any like specific book as an adult I checked out multiple times, but like as a kid, um, I just there was a series of books called Encyclopedia Brown um, that I just read over and over and over again. Um, I loved that series, and there was like a cheap knockoff of it called Einstein Anderson that was not bad, but um, but you know, they not it's like it was like a Encyclopedia Brown, but was sort of like a science-based mysteries, um, but. Uh, yeah, Sam, you would you would have ate that you would have ate this up, Sam. Um, Encyclopedia Brown, so beautifully, beautifully, transcendently character consistent with you, Rick Bud. I appreciate that. I, I'm, 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 I, I will take that as a compliment. Um, so that brings us along to the next question from Adventure. Uh, what is something about your character that surprised you? And for Rick, what part of the setting that you didn't 
uh, what's part of the setting that you didn't plan but grew to love. So um, we're going to go reverse order again. Uh, B, what's something about Ulez that surprised you? Uh, all of them? I, again, I didn't necessarily have a whole lot of character in mind. And then episode one, when we really set the tone, like after our session zero, and we got into these characters, uh, like I know we've talked about this too, but I was just trying out like a weird character voice. Um, I was trying out some plural pronouns and it was like, ah, uh, let's see what sticks. And I threw a bunch of things on the wall and they all stuck. So it all surprised me. Sam. I mean, so Eversinger's a really obvious answer because I didn't plan it as a plot point, but I'm mm -hmm. trying to think instead of like, if there's anything about the person they are, because reacting to that circumstance, I think Cadrax was pretty much what I expected for that person in that circumstance. Mm -hmm. um, but another way I've mentioned it before, but like, the characterization I thought I would have was permanently disrupted by the kindness of the characters. My, I, I, even my character said it. Um, they were going to be so much more of a heel, and that just died on the vine instantly. Uh, so that's what about my character surprised me. I couldn't go as hard. Like, I had to start them later on their anti-colonialist, like, reformation um, because they humans were already clearly better than I thought. Uh, Omar? Um, I knew, I was surprised by how angry Vion would get um, and how uh, not physically violent he would be, but I was, it, it wasn't surprising because like that was the kind of stuff that we were going to explore with his character. And like, we were like, but what if Daredevil got punished for like being mean to people? Like what if we held people, you know, these superheroes accountable for what they do? Uh, the thing that surprised me was the family stuff. I am very chill with my siblings um, and my parents are incredibly supportive, warm human beings. And so uh, in this show and also in A Court of Fame Flowers, uh, there is a very uh, domineering maternal force and a competitive sister. And I'm just like, where does this keep coming from? Because it's not from me. So when it was those dynamics and just the relationship that Vion had with like his family, I was just like, I don't know where this is, what is happening? Like, I don't know where this is getting pulled from. Uh, my mom's always just been very much just like, yeah, whatever. Like, it, I mean, do do well, but like, what, like if, you know, you're getting in trouble for doing too much art or whatever, like I'll talk to the teacher. So I think it was most of that stuff. I was just like, where, what is this? <laughs> Caitlin. Um, every single one of Benny's powers uh, was a surprise past the magma for sure. Uh, uh, she surprised me with how nervous she was. That was never the plan. I did not come into that expecting to play a nervous character. I think I was nervous and I think it bled a little bit and I was like, oh, we're doing this. Okay. This is how this is going to go. Um, yeah, no, I, I had originally concepted Benny to be kind of like, I was going to lean into the hothead. Like she literally has firepower. She struggles with her powers because of, it's an emotional thing. She's kind of all over the place, but it, it she ended up being a really nervous, like nervous kid. I would, none of that was on purpose. It was just, that's kind of how one of the interactions started. And I was like, oh no, this is perfect. Actually, this is what she should be. Um, and yeah, that became like her whole thing. It kind of informed 
her whole arc. It changed everything kind of about it. And similarly to Sam, like coming into like the kindness and gentleness of everyone, I was like, there is no way I can be a dickhead. Like this is not like Benny cannot be an asshole. Not with this group. This needs so it's just she got a lot gentler, like in the in the um session zero. Uh yeah. That was oh <laughs> I love her Two. so much. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh god, yeah, I love Benny. And it's like and, and it was amazing there's that like, you know, so many RPG groups, there's that one person who wants to be like the snarky, kind of difficult or you know, or you know, uh, sort of Lancer character. And it's like, nobody here did that. Everybody here was just like, you know, I mean, warm and lovable. Um, and it was great. Um, okay, so Rick, what's part of the setting you didn't plan but grew to love? Um, oh my God, it's like, there's just, there's just so much stuff. I, I couldn't even, I couldn't even begin, you know? It's it, it's like, um, uh, I mean, I alluded to before, it's like, maybe maybe my favorite thing was uh, Ulez and Maria bonding together, um, because it was like, I, I, you know, I had something totally different in mind for the end of that season, and, uh, and it was funny, too, because, like, that season had a lot going on for the other three characters, and Ulez was sort of dealing with some sort of existential stuff, and I didn't quite know where that was going to go, you know, in the last couple of episodes, and then... Be, uh, you know, had Ulez, you know, when talking to Orson, just be like, would you like to join our collective? And it was just like, you know, like the clouds parted and like the, the <laughs> beam of light, like, ah! And it was just like, oh my God, they're going to join, you know? And it's like, because B didn't know at that point that Orson was Maria. So it was like, you know, for me, you know, to know that that reveal was coming, but now be able to make it all come together with, with something that advances a character and advances the story all at once. It's like, it's like the best feeling that, you know, when a, when a player sort of completes that thing that you don't know how to complete, you know, and, and, and you know, that, uh, yeah, maybe that, that might be it. I don't know. It's, if, if I thought about it for another 20 minutes, I could probably come up with 50 other things, you know, um, but the next question, okay, um, this is a long question from uh, Victoria Gale again. Um, so about the first time Cadrax died, which was the most shocking moment in the entire series for me, um, my pal and I discussed it afterwards, um, and uh, um, Victoria's pal thought that this was Rick slapping down Sam for playing Cadrax as completely invincible but was also mad because nothing in the series so far indicated that anybody would actually die. And you have to telegraph first that it could happen. Um, uh, I was shocked, but trusting that somehow Sam would continue in the show. I thought the scene was meant to indicate how truly evil Sonny and his people were. Um, of course, we now know what happened, but I still want to know all the details behind the scenes. Uh, was Rick slapping down Sam, showing Sonny was evil, something else? Uh, and did Sam know Cadrax was going to die that night or at some point and did the rest of the crew? So uh, I'll start with this and then we're going to hand this off to Sam, of course. Um, uh, but um, so that that all started, uh, um, I, just so everyone knows, like at the beginning of the series, I told everybody that nobody will die unless, you know, A, we have talked about it before, like you want to leave the show or, or something like that, um, or, or you want to start a new character. I was like, this is not one of those games where, you know, you roll bad and I'm going to kill your character. It's like... Uh, I, I sort of feel it's like, you know, especially in comic books, it's like things go on. So it was sort of like, unless it was appropriate for a storytelling reason, nobody was, was going to die by accident. Um, 
the only exception to that is like if you did something just absolutely bananas like you know it's like my character jumps into the heart of a flaming volcano it's like i might not be able to you know i don't know if i could save you at that point um but barring like yeah like just something that's just inescapable no one will die um but sam had chosen for their major change uh that season uh, or or the end of the previous season i think um immortality and we, we we had to have a lot of discussions about how that would work and what that would mean and it was sort of like there's not really a point in having immortality in a game where you know you can't die um so uh we sort of you know that that is actually where we started coming up with like the Eversinger thing, which was not originally part of Sam's. You know, I actually went to Sam and I was like, "Is is is there? You know, does does the Star Choir have a religion? You know?" And like Sam, you know, a couple of days later came back with all, with, with the stuff about the Eversinger, and and I was you know, I was like, "Okay, I think we can use this." Um, and uh, basically, what we sort of agreed was that Cadrax uh, would have to die to so that this power could be useful, but like we didn't you know we didn't know where where or when it would happen i was just sort of like i will kind of i will surprise you with your death um and uh, there were there were a couple of instances over that season you know where i was like this close to pulling the trigger and i just kept like eh, not yet not yet not yet and and then when when sun when when sam like Sonny, I did not originally see as a villain. I actually thought that Sonny and Cadrax would kind of, you know, be friends. That's the hardest for me to believe. My well. favorite. I love this. Oh my God. My what Abigail? I came back and like he and Abigail had done a thing, and I don't think he'd mm-hmm. been forthcoming, and so there was just a knee jerk reaction. Okay, and then we just. Yep. Yes, ended it into. <laughs> yeah, Sam was so like Cadrax was so hostile towards Sunny that eventually I was just kind of like, okay, there's a different way to go. And then I started seeing them as like, you know, Sonavel's literal son and Sonavel's sort of figurative son, kind of like the prodigal son, sibling rivalry. I yeah, yeah. Where it could have gone, but yeah, that knee-jerk reaction from Sam set the tone, it, and there was I, and no it question. It had After to all, be. Yeah. Like, it was oh yeah. So good. It had to be. That. <laughs> Hard to imagine any other way now, but yeah. So eventually, it was like you know, I kind of realized that like Sunny would probably have to kill Cadrax for the first time, and you know, and then I just kind of waited for the right moment for it. Um, Sam. Uh, yeah. No, as you described. For the record, I went into this saying with the expectation with like multiple backup powers because I think it's completely reasonable for a GM to say no to that. It's a, hey, I'm just going to to pitch it, and I completely understand that you're going to say no, but I think it might be fun, so let me throw it at you. What about immortality? And Rick's like, yes. And I was like, what? I was not expecting you to say yes, um, because you're very mindful of all sorts of stuff. And then he's like, well, you know, and then we would have to, to kill you. And so for me, you have to understand, remember that time we ran across the street after Tula? I thought I was going to get hit with a car and killed because we had to show my immortality at some point. So that season, Rick talks about there a few times. I thought for me, it's just like these constant fake outs of a dramatic irony that I knew and I, terrible player that I was, didn't share with my castmates um, at all. I just didn't talk about what power major change I had gotten that season. Um, and then eventually I got murked and I knew that I was going to, and we were running out of episodes. Um, but the moment of the stabby stab 
was itself surprising to me. And from that, we got more of the sort of Eversinger mythology just patterning off of what Sonny ultimately did. Like the Phobos Phonos myth was, was backwards compatible. That was a second thing that happened after I first got killed um, compared to the rest of the Eversinger lore. Um, but I love the idea that it was just like, you putting me in my place, Rick, because that bespeaks the notion that I was like annoying enough. And I believe that so much that like oh you want to do me a murder. Yes, I, absolutely. In your place, I, if you'd have been there, if you'd have seen it, you know what I'm saying? I, I would never try and, you know, uh, I, I would never try and slap Sam down. Uh, Sam could kick my butt. Have you seen Sam's arms? It's like it, 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 not even close. Oh, my God. I'd be so afraid. Uh, I, yeah, no. Um, see, but if, what I loved about that whole thing was that, you know, in another game, immortality would just be a really big pain in the ass, you know, for, you know, because suddenly you'd have a character you couldn't kill. And here it was like, you already knew that you really weren't going to die, you know, because of how I, I, I GM the game. But instead, the immortality became like a passport to like a whole new part of the story. And then through that, you know, just, you know, became the whole story of the character and reshaped everything. And it's like, that's, you know, that that's a great player choice when like, you know, you can pick one new power out of a gazillion changes and that power just totally recharts your course. Um, so, yeah, loved that. Um, so, okay, let's see. Uh, key squared, I think, um, that is, uh, says, what's a bit of backstory you never got a chance to bring up or use, but wanted to, um, anybody want to jump in on that? I know one for me, but. If you have it, go for it. I got to think. Yeah, hard. I don't think. Okay, uh, huh. well, while the rest of you are thinking about it, because there, there might not be, because like a lot of, you know, a lot of this stuff like sort of assembled like as it was going. So, you know, um, we, we didn't really come to it with like big full backstories. But for me, it was like, uh, I think it was in season one, I had Benny interview uh, Joel Fons, like a, like a, like a D movie maker, you know, sort of like Neil Breen kind of, you know, like guy. Um, and uh, I had been planning to do this thing, you know, that was going to be a passport into the, into end um, like, uh, you know, I was going to have him start, uh, essentially like describing all of his movies and it was turned out that he was like a former agent of end who had been, you know, brainwashed and, and, you know, had amnesia and was like sort of sublimating all of his old adventures, uh, uh through his films. And, um, that, that was going to sort of like lead into the end storyline, but like, uh, just like an episode or two after I introduced him, I was just like, this is just way too much. I'm not going to be able to squeak, get all this in. I was like, you know, I loved the idea, but it just, I was like, eh, there, 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 there are better ways to get into end. Uh, so I just, I just, you know, Joel Fons was just never mentioned again. Poor Joel Fons. May he, may he rest in peace. Um, Anybody else get a bit of backstory you didn't want to, you, you didn't get a chance to use? You have to understand that Rick is so good at like giving us the things that are really important to us that if there had been a backstory bit that we had really like yearned to include, he would have found a way. I yeah. like for all that he's such a planner GM, he's also like if there's a thing he will figure out how to fit it into the plan because he's also very creative. He's like the perfect God. union of like planning and, and impulsing. Stop that. 
the only thing I can think of is not really plot or like anything relevant to anything except for when we were making Benny was that I ended up picking Benny's name and then I picked Eileen's name and then I found the name Lola on a list and I was like oh no this was on purpose then so (laughs) we picked I picked Benny's I picked Benny, her like nickname before I picked the restaurant. So I was like, okay, so Benny's definitely your nickname. That's not on her birth certificate. Um, and then Lola and Eileen, I picked, I picked Eileen just the, because I like the name. And then I picked Lola and I was like, oh, all of these are songs. That's amazing. So it's, it's canonically in um, Benny Stanley. Her mom's named her Robin, which was an accident. I picked Robin because it seemed like something that could be, Benny could be pulled from. Robin, Robin E, Robin Eleanor, and Eleanor is also a song. Um, but Robin E, Benny, and then Benny was her was her name. It was Benny, and then Will called her Benny because he misheard it, and then that stuck forever. Uh, but uh, she uh, canonically, her whole family, they all now like all of her cousins and stuff. All of them get named after songs. Um, so she is uh, Benny, Benny and the Jets, uh, Robin, Rock and Robin, Eleanor, Eleanor Rigby. Uh, and then her moms are Lola, the song Lola, and then Eileen, come on Eileen. So everyone, if we, we talked about if, if we ever met anyone else in her family for any reason, they would have song names, um, which is <laughs> names that appear in song titles. Uh, and that's the only other thing that never really came up during the show. And it's <laughs> my favorite, like, goofy little thing. But yeah, her, her family, her extended family, uh, they all name their kids after songs. They love that. <laughs> um... It's, I just glanced over at the chat. Somebody wants to know who I would cast as Joel Fon's um, R- R- Rappy Barra. Rappy Barra? Saying that right? Um, so I honestly don't remember if I had cast Joel Fon's. I don't think I did. I, I, um, I could probably look that up somewhere. But, I, you know, I would probably just get Neil Breen to play him, you know, just to, to get that real-life reflection. Uh, if you don't know Neil Breen, um, uh well, Neil Breen makes the worst, the best worst movies in the history of the universe. Um, just uh, uh, there's kind of no way to describe how awful these films are, um, uh, but in, in, in kind of an entertaining way. Um, anyway, moving along. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, BioLug again wants to know how did you come up with new directions for your characters to go towards? Was it chosen by the player, or did you have group brainstorm sessions, or did the GM propose certain options for powers and stories? Um, I say well, we didn't do a lot of we didn't do I don't think any group brainstorming. Um, I know I you know periodically checked in with everybody about their individual characters and sort of I, I would find out you know do you have any wishes what would you like to happen this season you know it's like well, how do you feel about where you're at and stuff like that and, and, and you know that kind of stuff uh what about y'all did you know any, any anything to say as far as how you came up with the directions your characters moved in the one, the the one idea, the one thing I had was I want to get Benny. I want Benny to feel comfortable in her skin. That was the only plot, and I was like, this could last two seasons, and then we could get her a new arc. And it ended up being the whole like that was her whole story was you know finding finding herself like finding like making a ooh, making a good relationship with herself. My ring just flew off my finger. Um, 
And it was, yeah, that was not real. I was like, yeah, maybe like a season or two and then she'll get her magma and then we'll like kind of move forward. But no, and, and I was literally just talking to Sam earlier about this day, but like it was not intentional that her story is pretty much like a coming out story. Like that was that was never the plan, but I am the way I am. And I guess that just like was like, oh yes, this is what we're doing. <laughs> but no yeah it was that was the I that was the idea I had was I just wanted her to like figure out how to be Benny Beckett and that became her entire that became her whole story and it was great that's one of the things that I loved about the whole show was that like this the whole show essentially just became learning who the characters were and watching them figure out who they are and what they want to be. And like the story of the characters kind of just became the story of the show and everything else was kind of just, you know, there to give them something to do while they were doing that. And it's like, it, it just always made it feel very rich to me, you know? Um, so the next question, what time is it? Six one. I will do a couple more and then we'll take a break. Um, uh, uh, from Sayuri uh, um, Amamaya? Um, Amamaya? Sorry. Um, uh, how does Rick keep track of all those plot threads? Um, Lots by of red string. Yeah, by, by treating it like a second job, essentially. Um, I have dozens, hundreds of documents. Like, like literally after every episode, I would go through every episode and rewatch it, take notes on everything that happened. Um, I keep one document that I like a questions and answers document that I have now shared with the cast now that the, the game is over where it's like if in this, you know, you'd be, you know, if, if in this episode you saw some mysterious character do something in the lore drop it would be like, who is this mysterious character? What are they doing? Why are they doing it? You know, and it's like very often I did not know the answers to those sort of things, you know, and, and would just figure them out later. Um, you know, like, for example, when they went uh, to rescue Brooke Barrett uh, from prison back in season one, um, while they were sailing to the prison, like something moved beneath the boat. And like, at the time I was just like, I had no idea what the thing beneath the boat was. You know, I was just kind of like, that sounds weird and spooky and we can do something with that in the future. And then uh, uh, later on, you know, eventually like, after I figured out the underwater wormhole, it was sort of like, well, maybe somebody's driving around in a submarine looking for the underwater wormhole, and that's the thing that went beneath the boat. So, like, I would go back to the questions and answers documents and, like, kind of fill it in there. And it's like, and oh, my God, I got, I have, I have you know, long lists of, like, who appeared in every episode and what dates are covered by every episode and every villain and every, you know, it's like just in, just in, just, insane amounts of note taking is really, you know, kind of how it is. And and then a lot of checking in with the players, because like the players kind of can, you know, all that information can just kind of become like a lot of white noise. And then, the, you know, you talk with a player and they remind you like, what's important about all this? And you're like, oh, right. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Beyond figuring out what justice is. Okay. So, you know, focus on this, you know, um, Every so, week, yeah. we, we, not every week, just every, every few weeks. I don't know about y'all. I'd get like a Monday, maybe a Tuesday message. Uh, the, the message on the timeline of some man who might rewatch the episode to take all of these beautiful detailed notes. It's like, okay, so when you said, did you mean? Yes. Yep. Were you wondering mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. that oh, just take that, and then- that detail, but also, um, Sheep up, or I will kill you. No, that one was probably just me. Oh, I never got that one. <laughs> you know, 
I remember yeah. I got a few like, hey, I was watching the VOD um, and this, like, what what was this from? Or whatever, like, that happened a few times. Or we had, like, what audio issues once. Do you remember what you said? Can you check this timestamp and tell me if you remember what you said? Like, <laughs> And so every week we're reminded that, like, how diligent Rick is with this. Like, it is everything about this timeline in this mm-hmm. game is pristine. Because there are notes, like, none of it, there, like... He says he says the dates every single episode because he knows what day of the like he knows what day it is. <laughs> he knows what day of the week, what day of the year. It's amazing. And the downside of all that is that like I only remember the stuff I get wrong. So it's like, you know, to this day I wake up in the middle of the night being like, Oh my god, in episode forty-two, I accidentally placed this business in the wrong part of Baronsdale. Oh. I said this down, I meant this down. It's like, yeah, what we're what if everyone gets confused? Uh so yeah. Um I, thank you for everybody bearing with my inward attentiveness. Um, so Rick, Rick is to the behind the scenes what I am to note taking <laughs> afterwards, mm, but he does it digitally, so it's way more comprehensive and organized. It's beautiful, and we feel so well supported yeah. by it that, like, yo, you know how much how how validating it is as someone who does this stuff to like have someone who cares that much about like that thing you said mm-hmm. they don't make two of you rick bud Correct. oh don't stop that when, 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 not when, until you get the saying, up. when you have people who are saying such great stuff <laughs> you know it's like you just want to do it we have said it before i think but just like one of the things that makes this show so special is just how much everyone cares like all of the all the players everyone at the table like care about we care about the world we care about each other we care about our characters we care about everyone else's characters our characters care about each other's characters our characters care about the world it's just this everybody cares so much and like that's it's just it makes such a beautiful like it's why this is so beautiful is because of that i think in my in my in my opinion but i think it's just it's just wonderful no, you are correct there's just so much love in here i don't know if y'all can tell <laughs> but, we, but we just love all of this in each other so much <laughs> So true. Oh my god. And yeah, it's like, you know, when you care about what you do, I think, you know, that's it's kind of where quality flows from, you know. So um Gemini Lightning uh asks if your if your character at the end of the campaign could send a message to your character at the beginning of the campaign, but it would be from an anonymous source, what would they say? How would they phrase the message so that their past selves would know the message can be trusted? Wow. Oh my um, God. Can I jump that one? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, do it. Okay. Little Ulez, who found themselves in a dumpster at the beginning of episode one, could really have benefited from a message from, you know, another Ulez Gali designation that just said, like, we will be okay. We will find friends and we will be okay because oof, like, you know, like Benny, like Caitlin, you, you kind of took your, your nervousness and kind of placed that into Benny. I opted to play this character where I agreed because I had planned nothing in terms of backstory that I had amnesia. So I I was just going into this, like, whoo, okay, so this character, what are they going to be like? You know, um, and then there was a I lot of that so inside. <laughs> yeah, I so I think that would be the message that they would send themselves to um, Ease B and Ula Skelly. <laughs> yeah, I remember when, when you first started telling me about Ula's, you know, 
you know, you had started telling me that at the same time, you know, there were a lot of changes going on in, you know, your, your real life. Oh, uh, yes. And, and, and <laughs> like, so when you were like, surprise me, you know, with what's going to happen to my character, I was like, okay, so this is, this is the, char- the story of a character who's evolving into something better. And, you know, and, and it was like, you know, so, so they should start kind of, you know, crawling, crawling out of the trash and, and, and just <laughs> headed up. Um, but that's a great one. Um, Sam? I've been racking my brains in the interim because there are this there are two moving parts to this. Um, one, advice that someone as stubborn as Catrax will actually take. <laughs> Right? Because if they hear from someone they are absolutely confirmed to be their future self, they will simply regard it as unfortunate that they should fall into error in future. Right? Like, that's the kind of person they were. Um, so, so it doesn't matter. But the good news is I think maybe it also doesn't matter. Because I think, like... There's the set of stuff they never would have listened to if future cataracts had told them. And there's the set of stuff that they learned, like they learned anyway, without too many negative repercussions other than the whole dying thing, but they needed that, all of these things. And this is the fault entirely of superlative storytelling um, by one um, Rick Bud. Yes, uh, that's what my note has. Uh, that like they learned the lessons they needed to learn when they needed to learn them, and to have given it to them ahead of time, they wouldn't have accepted it because they hadn't yet become the person who could hear those lessons. So there's nothing you could say to Cadrax because there's nothing you could say to Cadrax, but also there's nothing you could say to Cadrax because there's nothing Cadrax really needs until they already know it. Vion. Um. I think if there was one message, this would disrupt the entire uh, last season, I suppose. But like, if there was one message, it would be trust Fripp. Because um, that was a big thing in terms of the character. I was like, that, that was Vion's real big screw up that I think um, led him through guilt uh, to make the decisions uh, and sacrifices that he makes at the end. Um, if it was to be something a little bit more poetic, perhaps... Uh, a little bit more lowercase r romantic. Um, I think that the message from late stage Vion to early Vion would be be as kind to yourself as you are to others. And to prove it's from someone he can trust, it would be the exact recipe that Vion uses for the V60 pour over. That's very particular and comes down to like water temperature and like grind size um, and the timing of different like pour stages. I think Vion, even if it wasn't like, this is me, it would be like, this is my dude. This guy gets it, whoever this person is. So that would be the secret coding. <laughs> Good answer. Caitlin? Uh, uh, I don't think there's anything that would need to su- suggest to Benny that there is like, uh, this is someone to be trusted. I don't think she has quite the level of like, <laughs> beginning Benny is, a, is an intern at, at the equivalent of BuzzFeed. She is not, there's not a lot going on for her. She's, she got her whole mundane story. But I, I think that Benny would have to tell herself what she told her moms, that she's going to be all right. Like, I think that's, and I don't know if Benny at that like stage would know what to do with that necessarily, but. I don't know. I think there's comfort in that. But yeah, she told her mom she's going to be all right. She can tell herself you're going to be all right. I think that's what it would have to be. 
Would we would we send ourselves the riddle, the crow man riddle? <laughs> <laughs> no, because you, you got that right you off got the in bat. One. You got in one. You he was so close. Answer. He was so close. The bridge. It was close enough for jazz. Gosh <laughs> dang it. <laughs> we have to send I, ourselves I the exact coordinates. The exact time. You got, you got it though. You did it right though. I think. You got to be a Corvid, and that's really cool though. Would you deny yourself the time as like a crow? Bro? That's so Dion cool. Has for you got sure to fly with Tenku before. I'm positive. I'm positive. <laughs> okay, actually, just real quick. Oh, yeah. Explain the pour over thing to me. No, actually, like, let me expand uh-huh. upon that question. Okay. This is not the only time in this Q&A uh, that you've referenced it, but Vion is, goes to very detail-oriented things. You mentioned it with the, with yeah. the food would be something very particular, but it's mm-hmm. actually donuts. Um, with coffee, ritual, extremely important, and that it's a multi-step ritual, extremely right. important. Uh, can you unpack for us why Vion gets into such atomistic detail what that does like for him because it's clearly like a motivator and a source of comfort oh my yeah well first of all probably undiagnosed adhd let's go ahead and get that out of right. the way yes yes <laughs> quite so um because i recently saw a tiktok where it was like uh some doctors like if you drink juice throughout the day it helps your brain go oh. until like you're at night and you're like i'm done because that's like a thing where you the like dopamine, the dopamine yeah all day yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> bad. Woo! but in terms of stuff that i i am um uh comfortable and and should be diagnosing instead of sort of this other stuff uh as not a doctor um i think that vion grew up um with the expectations of perfect tutelage and perfect performance as a student. And I think that he, as well as others, um, did everything quote unquote right. I mean, he was probably a rebel within the confines of the suburbs, but like, I think in school he did everything right and it didn't result in anything because the idea of like this, you know, scholastic institutions are to just kind of push you into the workforce so you can, then make money for people running the companies and stuff. And I think at one point Vion realized that he got like too smart for the system and was just like, wait a second, this is a game I'm meant to lose. Like eventually down the road, like no matter what you're training me to be middle management, there is no, like it, as much as I get this right, I will always get it wrong. And that's and, when he learned class piano. Yeah. And I think that like the imperfection of jazz piano. And I think that like anything that you can obsess over that much and get get it right, and it brings joy to yourself and to others. I think that was a shifting point in his life. Of I can make a drink for myself, and I'm proud of my work. I can make something for someone else, and it doesn't go on a report card. It it can't get evaluated unless you go to like a convention. Like it's something that you can make a good cup of coffee for a friend when they need it, and you give it to them. And I think that that became kind of a thing. And um, this is a long answer, so I won't get to the whole thing of it. But there was an aspect of Vion that was like moments are important and there are ghosts of moments where it's not the cup of coffee itself. It's the remembering the cup of coffee later that brings you joy and you're haunted in a good way by good things that happen in your life. And I think that he found the joy in stuff like coffee versus stuff like I wrote the perfect book report. Haunted in a good way. (laughs) Perfect. Like that coffee. You should be a writer. Um, so Dervish wants to know, uh, was there something memorable that someone did out of character that you'll treasure? For me, it's Omar's writing. 
Um, perfect segue there. Um, yeah, Omar's book was absolutely incredible. And like uh, the little dream sequences that everybody kind of wrote for themselves um, back in, oof, when was that? Season two or, or something like that? Or, or, way back when uh, were great. Um, but like for me personally, it was when Sam and Caitlin transcribed Sonneville's lullaby into actual sheet music. I was going to say that. Ah. <laughs> yeah. we, did that, we did that the night that you sang it for us. And then oh, yeah. we've been sitting, we were sitting on it for like. We separately while. always knew that was going to be a thing. Cause like Kate, I was starting to work it up in the engraving and Caitlin already had like the chords. Yeah, I just said, yeah, and then and Sam made it pretty and and like actually like transposed it to like an actual singable range for themselves. (laughs) I mean, yeah, that was like a dagger to my heart in the best possible way. What about y'all? You picked my answers. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I really, really took solace um, at doing our stars and wishes. Uh, after every single game, it was just a really nice way for us to relive our best moments and then share like, okay, well, here's what I would have changed or here's what I would like to happen in the future. And then those wishes, we just kind of all piled on Rick and he took every single one of them, you know, like the little sticky glow in the dark stars, just stick on the ceiling. He slapped everyone on the ceiling and he made them all come true. I mean, they make it sound like I'm doing them a favor, but they're doing me the favor. It's sort of like, you know, it's like you got to plan the future of the game. And it's just like, what do you want to happen? And they just tell you, and you're just like, okay, great. This this is what's happening. Rick, um, you didn't take enough points in reflection. Um, it isn't bouncing off of you. You're going mm-hmm. to take, you're <laughs> going to accept that we really love the yeah. work that you did. And you yeah. did a really good job. Yes. And it's not entirely about us. Yeah. Right, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna have to talk to Cadrach and find out how they do that thing. Um, <laughs> uh, I can blast off a couple real fast. Yeah, uh, do it. You did doing um, playlists um, and sending those over, um, and just like very personal playlists of like, hey, this song reminded me of your character. Or this song reminded me of Sam's character, um, and those were just like great text messages to get every so often. Um, Rick checks in with people. Like out of game, it's just like, hey, I saw like a tweet of yours. Like, is everything okay? Or do I do we need to <laughs> grab our pitchforks and go <laughs> bother somebody? <laughs> um, there, uh, the energy that B brings before the show and after the show, it's like I think that like it's the talent of your performance. B, like they just are. Uh, I hesitate. Is it because I'm always late? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, stars and wishes came from you. Stars and wishes was your suggestion, and I think it was instrumental into making the power play cast the group it was with the vibe it was that like rehearsing the behavior of loving and appreciating our castmates made us into this love puddle yeah. that now the chat has to deal with as uh, as we pile praise on each other. <laughs> Thank you oh, for yeah, making like it their it. problem. Uh. <laughs> it's also like it's you have like a squeaky like the, the like Ulez is such a like celebrates naivete and like the best <laughs> elements of naivete and when we would close out the cameras it would like you know we'd be done streaming but we're still chatting you had the energy of just like all right great so let's talk some trash about some other stuff that's unrelated <laughs> <laughs> like and it was that so we were where, an event. let's get let's get some yeah. stars <laughs> like, let's you're go so, 
like Vion is just me in a couple years. Like if I could afford a place in Brooklyn, you were always like, all right, anyway, that's done. Here we go. And I'm just like, wow, the curtain closing really is a whole thing. Um, so like, like that, that is the general energy you would bring before the show and after, which was just so like, we're players, we're actors, let's go create. Uh, it's the best energy. And then uh, for Sam, it's, when you would see Vion's steps, but three steps before Vion saw them, and you would just like text me like privately of just like, oh, so this is gonna happen. And like in the last <laughs> season, I remember you being like, oh, so someone's gonna, okay, we got Destiny's um, prophecy. Cool, I know who it is, I figured it out. <laughs> and there's something very validating. If oh you get um, outsmarted by Sam, it's the greatest compliment you can get. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of Sam being like, I saw your moves, and you're like, oh, oh. <laughs> it means you did, you did the stuff. You did it right there, you did that out in front of all of us. Okay, when did y'all know? Answer me that. When did you know? When, when, you, to- when you told me. <laughs> I No, this one's directed at, at Vion and, uh, excuse me, Frack. Really you in a couple of years, I guess. Omar and Rick. When did you know that you were going to perpetrate this upon us? Answer for yourselves, both of you. Because Rick, you made some intimations about, oh, I know what I'm going to do with Vion. Like, seasons ahead mm-hmm. what did they know and when did they know it <laughs> uh, wow um <laughs> you know i i feel like we didn't you know it was like somewhere around what was it like season two or three or something like that or you know guy it's it, you know it's, it's so weird because like so many of those conversations kind of blend and you know it's like when it became you know, you know what it actually might have been the seed of it, and I'll tell you right now, at least for me, you know, the idea that like we're, we're talking about like that Vion's not Vion, right? You know, um, I, I I think for me it was Darren DePaul um, when 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 Darren framed Kipper Sweetletrot as a ghost, you know, uh, and, and talks about like you know the, the change that he wore in life and blah, blah, you know and stuff like that. He was kind of just goofing around, but I was just sort of like, <laughs> what if this ghost is like the same ghost as our ghost somehow, you know, and like they are all versions of the same thing. And then it was like, I, I can't remember how, how me and Omar kind of hit on that notion, you know, but like I went back to Omar once a season at least to be like, yeah. are you sure you still want to do this? It's not too late. Vion could just be Vion. We don't have to, we do not have to, you know, and Omar just like, you know, just was very steadfast and is like, no, no, this is the right thing. We got to do this. Like, <laughs> well, it was because it was your great idea. Like you were the one that suggests like, what if you, a ghost wasn't a ghost of a person? And like the trajectory that that created for us was like, you know, as previously mentioned, like y- y- loving yourself. And that was Vion's thing. Like, I need to learn how to love myself. And it's so interesting where it's like, I think that that's like a thing that you can kind of autopilot a little bit and like look in the mirror and be like, you're great, wonderful. And I think it was whoever this person is, spoilers, by the way, for the show, um, whoever this is, like finding out at one point, and it was really like, you know, towards the end, which is great because uh, too many emotions to, to have to play on camera, honestly. But then it's a step forward of that, of like, you, you're no longer just like, I'm great. And I've accepted that. That's great. And I'm going to sell and celebrate these elements of me, but someone being like, he was good. 
And I think that that's a really interesting bend and it was such a gift and I didn't want to ever give that up because it is like not just defending like yourself as like, oh, I'm very self-deprecating, but another entity being like, I lived this life and now I'm stepping back and kind of objectively being like, I think he was a good person. And if he wasn't in life and the stuff that I did, he had the potential to be a good person. And I thought that was such an interesting story. Um, the big decision we had to make was with Destiny's Prophecy, if it was going to be specifically Vion or if it was going to be at large. And I remember the thing, and I remember talking to Dale a little bit us later, was like the big turn of it and the big painful decision was it not being um, Vion knowing it was going to be him directly. Because I think that he could accept that and just default to martyrdom. The big thing was for the first time ever, he had hope and he would fight for it. And the idea that like, I hope it's not my friends, but it could be, it could be any of them. And him trying to figure out ways to stop that. Um, it, it hurts, <laughs> but it was, I was like, that's the transition. Like he, any day of the week would be like, all right, fine. All right, I'll go, whatever. But the interesting story is like, finally for the first time in his existence beyond bigger being like, I'll kick anyone's butt. Who is it? Like, let's go. It's not going to be these three. Like, I will lay down my life. Like, I will live to make sure that this doesn't happen. So. Yeah, I remember we talked a lot about Doctor Who, you know, and, like, sort of uh, the idea of, like, you know, the regenerations, you know, and, like, uh, at first, you know, you we were originally, like, Destiny was going to predict that Vion is going to die. And uh, that would give him sort of a chance to do, like, this kind of David Tennant thing where, you know, he goes through kind of knowing the end is coming. Yeah. Um, and maybe trying to avoid it. Yeah, spoilers for Doctor Who. Don't watch this if you have not seen Power Play. <laughs> and don't watch this if you have not seen Doctor Who. Um, oh, God. But, uh, yeah, and, and then eventually, like, we got to a point where it was like some other stuff in the show had happened you know, like, um, like Les had been told that they were mortal, you know, now uh, by, by um, um, Molly and Cadrax's uh, uh, resurrections were like kind of running out. And it suddenly we had this like kind of reconsideration about like maybe destiny should just be like someone's going to die. You know, and, and, and it's like Dale, Dale will swear. I mean, I don't know if Dale's still around, but like I sent the whole big thing to Dale about like, all right, you're going to tell Vion he's going to die. You know, it's like you're going to show up and here's what's going to happen and blah, blah, blah. And then like uh, and then like a couple of weeks later, I was like, OK, scratch everything I told you. <laughs> I was like, we're, we're doing this. We're, we're doing something else. Um, so, yeah, it was like he, he knew it was coming and, you know, um, and and just made the absolute most of it like man you know home run role play in there dude um so i think right there is i do have perfect... i do i do sorry i'm so sorry i do want to say oh, my favorite yeah. some of my favorite adult like above game things where he said stars and wishes coming from b is mm -hmm. fucking amazing also be your makeup all the time literally yes. you do uh, that for every fucking episode for the entire show you are a rock star superstar i'm obsessed with you thank you so thank much you. um to uh any conversation i had with Omar out of game. Like we, anytime we were talking about this game, out of game was just amazing. I, I think we mentioned this after the finale that you, that you didn't, that like none of us knew that like Omar knew that Vion was going to be the one to die. <laughs> I, he called me at like, it was like 11 or midnight or something. And I had I already had, like, I was with some friends. I had like three margaritas and I was like really emotional. Like, Omar, I would feel so bad if someone didn't know that their character was going to die. And Omar's sitting there like, I, I promised I wouldn't tell anyone. And so he's like, I can't, it's going to be okay. 
<laughs> That's my favorite game. That destroys <laughs> me. I was like, I was so, I was like, I don't even know. Like, I like, I was like, I doubt it's gonna be me, but like, I would feel so bad for anybody. Like, why would they not know ahead of time? And no one's given any inclination that they knew they're gonna. Anyway, so Omar heard all of that. It was midnight, and I had had several margaritas. Um, my favorite <laughs> Sam out of game is it is in game, but like above table. When Sam and I sign at each other, and it's like my heart is so warm because we're not. I I tweeted about this forever ago, but the like. You've, you get sad you feel like you miss out on stuff and not being at a at like an in-person table but like we get stuff like that though here mm-hmm. where Sam and I Sam makes, a, Sam makes a pun and then I joke at it and then we get a tiny conversation of while, while real important things are happening and that just makes me so happy so those are my super rapid fire stars for my cast also <laughs> uh, I mean the big one that is um, on screen right now behind us Caitlin's art oh my oh, gosh yeah. oh my gosh how have we not even said anything let's go in on it not only has it been consistent but it has been incredible thematic beautiful available <laughs> like you were you just volunteered these things and like we have these for life now for life mm-hmm. and i could not be happier thank you and again like just making it like color themed in your art ah you have just been the best like we have been just graced by that presence and talent thank you i, I have on my wall you know that you know trip that picture you did that has the the three versions Everybody. of every character yeah. kind of evolving into each other and it's just oh. like I, you know it's amazing i want you know i want that like poster sized it's just like um yeah your, your art added just so much to so many so much dimension to everything. So thank you for that. I was, um, so, I was so honored and grateful that I got to like add like a, an element to a, a, like a visual element to something that is comic book based and comics are like, I, I've, I've said it a million times. I went to school for comics. That's my degree is in comics. And so like a comic booky story that like I got to do that. This is, is I'm just, I love it so much. I'm so happy. <laughs> Oh, you killed it. It was great. Um, and my out of game for Rick was uh, I, Rick explained the entire plot of Lost to me on a call <laughs> once. We had to keep resetting the Zoom call. We reset the Zoom call like four times because he told me that the original concept for Power Play was a superheroes lost but superheroes. And I was like, well, I need to know why people don't like the ending. And so Rick explained the entire plot of Lost to me. It was probably one of the most magical conversations I've ever had in my life. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Wait, why don't they like the ending? Okay, we'll go to break and <laughs> <laughs> having triggered Rick. <laughs> No, it was brilliant and they're wrong. Okay, um, so that's a perfect place to take a break. Um, We will be back here in 10 and uh, we'll pick up right there. Um, Don't go nowhere. Thank you, everybody. Hello, and we're back. Uh, So uh, when, when, where did we leave off here? Um, Okay, so the next question uh, comes from Kai, who says, um, what is a moment can be something you did or someone else uh, that you go back and rewatch every time and laugh. Um, Caitlin. Oh no. Um, <laughs> Caitlin, going for the notes. Any, yeah, literally, I pull my notes. I don't even have to. It's anything that Ula says off the cuff, like a one thousand percent. Anything that B just like pulls out and is like. Oh, I don't, oh God, what's the one that I remember Sam being like, oh yeah, Uzo's making percussive choices. That was fun. That's not a beeline. I can't even think of like <laughs> stuff you say that like, dry. this whole thing, probably at least 20% of every week's notes are uh, Ula's quotes. <laughs> and that is, that is uh, not why. 
The maybe I'll maybe Lamar. I'll make a, maybe I'll make a thread later that is just on Twitter that is just some of my favorite quotes from my notes. I'll, oh my god, I'll do that! Really I'll good. do that for y'all later. Yeah. <laughs> uh, exact same answer. <laughs> Sam. Yeah. Remember when Ulis was just like can't exist? Like the extent to which Ulis can absolutely destroy a living being through slightly more neutral social niceties of their culture is devastating. I love that that had the impact that it did. (laughs) It's established pattern and then deviate from pattern. Mm -hmm. The the deviation is all the more memorable. You've set up seasons and seasons and seasons and seasons of we greet you, we exist well. Um, And so if you just employ the cut direct, it's as devastating as a freaking Austin novel. Mm-hmm. And again, on a just, foot. So yes, that like changed my <laughs> life, I think, actually. Like that realtored my, everything about my trajectory of where fantastic. I'm going in life. Yeah. <laughs> just, you know. That slight deviation, yeah, really, really impacted. Um, <laughs> heck. I had an answer and then I just started to think about all the little Ulez moments. Um, oh, Pumpkin. <laughs> I don't, I know this isn't necessarily something that I rewatch, but it's something that I replay in my head a lot of the time is uh, whenever we're, I'm rolling a dice and I get a number 13 or 12, because I can't remember. Internally, I say happy birthday, Taylor Swift. <laughs> Doesn't mean anything to me or anybody. Oh, I mean, it means something to me, but to nobody else. Um, that and pumpkin dice. If I get a six, I just want to shout, yeah, pumpkin, pumpkin kisses. <laughs> uh so it's just those little things that have uh that will live in my brain rent free forever you know for me it's like i mean okay cadrax has a lot of great literalisms that i loved um <laughs> but if i had to pick a favorite thing probably it is when the two aliens are like you know being human and and, and thinking they're getting away with it um <laughs> trying to figure something out that just when when the humans have said something like far too hyperbolic for us to understand and we try to examine it and surely it's just, they could not mean surely why that does not make any sense I, I <laughs> well we are not we do not know humans to be sensible as a species i refer uh, you as evidence to their entire history well that is very very true but I also love that, like, sometimes the aliens would get each other in a way the humans wouldn't. Willow. Yes. Dude. And that's, like, also just, like, be always being on, on point and focusing and catching things. Uh, but just, like, <laughs> that, that Ulis would be like, okay, yeah, no, go ahead. I caught what you were laying down because we talked about what these rules were earlier today, and we yes. are rules-driven beings. Though they're not sensible for evidence of that. I refer you to the entirety <laughs> of human history. But like, Ulez <laughs> gets it, and I love those moments. I treasure when I, I treasure aliens getting aliens, not not just aliens not getting humans, right? Exactly. Again, we had the established, and then when there were those moments of deviation, they were that much more impactful, and those are the ones that resonated with me as well. You know, like, internally I'm screaming, externally I'm trying to play it cool. I will forever think about the, we're going to use the bathroom, because people <laughs> go to the bathroom together, and we're going to do that. Okay, bye. Like, I... 
I love it. And I loved getting to play Benny, who was like, yeah, I'll just take anything you guys say at face value. That's fine. Like, <laughs> well, I that feel was like this, the best. Too. We got to foster that in a way that was so much fun. We're like, oh, yeah, that was a very strange thing. They probably have a plan. Like, just, oh, my God, viewing all of your scenes from, like, a player perspective and also as, like, the character, every, every angle of it is fucking phenomenal. I just, I love them so much. I love them. <laughs> Alien solidarity. They're perfect. Uh, okay, so the next question uh, comes from, oh, wow, I probably should have looked up and thought about how to pronounce some of these names before I did this. Um, Frigjar Hadur? Um, uh, I'm just, I'm doing that phonetically, so apologize if that's not correct. It's Icelandic. Um, I've been trying to get them to teach me how to say it, and they haven't yet. They haven't yet. Okay, so I feel less bad then. Um, so, well, okay, this is actually a similar question. What phrases and or mannerisms of both cast and players are the most heartwarming, wrenching, amusing, endearing, memorable, etc. to you? Um, we definitely just covered some of that in there. You know, I mean, uh, you know, Omar's pumpkins, and you know, it's, uh, I mean, so much of that stuff. I mean, for me, you know, for, you know, uh, exist well, of course, you know, has to kind of top that list there i mean i loved that so much but you know if we, we finished the series on exist well like um i don't know anything else to add in, the, in that in that way i early on before we really knew each other very well um when it was just uh we were getting little bits of information about each other's characters caitlin's character um was referred to as coffee squire by uh you know sam and um i sent caitlin just like coffee dice where i was like oh these are good d6 and then caitlin got them um and like actually went out and like bought them which is very touching to me um and then when we met up caitlin gave me the other d6 so we both have the d6 i love that I love that one so much in retrospect because I knew I was the Knights of the Blue. And so hearing about an intern, that sounded like a squire to me. And so I was like, I'm squire, you're squire, squire solidarity. I will do whatever I can to help you in this interview because we are both squires together. And in the moment, it makes so little sense. Like everything about how Patrick is in that scene is just really alien and it, then we get so to know everything, good. and I just, I love the coffee squire so love much. It. She's so good and important, and I hope she knows. Y'all made her know. Y'all made her sure she knew. Yeah, speaking of y'all, it's like uh, Omar's accent, you know, the, the, the accent. Oh, oh. <laughs> the first time you said, uh, without the accent, I was like, I gotta My go. My whole world. <laughs> I have to go. Just you quit. Mm-hmm. I didn't pick up on that there was an accent. That's I still can't okay. really tell most of the time. <laughs> There's my confession for the Kuhn day. I love that though. Just thought Omar went, Omar time. had gone the cowboy. Well, I just like I it's it's a more relaxed like it isn't that so. much like people will switch their tones. I switched my tone like six times over the course mm-hmm. of this interview. Like people mm-hmm. people do say things a different way, and Vion purposefully like tries to get people very relaxed, and like it is this social thing among mm-hmm. many Americans. Like you will just drift toward a slightly more southern phonemes as part of that for whatever reason i uh, no whoosh absolutely whoosh 
<laughs> that is my favorite because Omar, I thought you talked like that. Like that was also your voice. <laughs> uh-huh. I had no reason to believe otherwise, even though at the end we did our star, like we would do our stars and wishes, but my brain had fully determined that was how you spoke. Mm-hmm. You had to tell us out loud that like, yeah, you know, and now accent. I drop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was when my world tilted. So <laughs> we all cut Rick off so hard. I'm so sorry, Rick. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Every single one of us took a turn cutting off Rick. No, no. <laughs> I could not have said anything better than all that. Um, uh, oh, also, we greet you. Greet you. Yes. Yeah, all the Lulazisms were so important yeah. to me as a person, but also like to the story. Oh, yeah, I, I think- love that. The most fun I have, one of the most fun moments of the game certainly had to be when we went to Ulez's planet and we got to just like, you know, meet a whole bunch of Ulez's who all like say, we greet you and like, you know, like together, you know, at the same time. And you had to keep up plural pronouns for the whole time. (laughs) It's hard. No, shifting back and forth sometimes. <laughs> the first time Ula's was using singular pronouns on purpose, mm-hmm. that was another I need to go take a lap around the block moment. Yeah. That, that one. Oh that one my I, God. That was something that I had like, I had intentionally built in, you know? I kept talking yeah. about how I planned nothing for this character. That was something that I had planned Finding in a way because- Finding yourself, getting to yeah. yourself. Yeah. Yes. That, was I, pretty, uh, that was a theme. I think that was, uh, that was all, all across the board. <laughs> And there's this lovely comment in chat about um, how, like, if someone said we greet you back, friend. They don't, Mm -hmm. villain. But also, (laughs) I love that it was such a bellwether because Ulez is friendly, but socially non-conforming. And so this story shows the goodness of its people through how it treats well-meaning people who aren't like you. And... We greet you becomes a microcosm of that. If they respond, it tended to indicate someone who is cool with people who are being cool with you, even if they do not do it according to a standard human norm and accepting that energy and bouncing it back. And that's just (laughs) such a cool way. Like it's such a cool reason uh, to be coded as a cool character. Like I really appreciate that, especially (laughs) given all the coded neurodivergency that's going on in this show. We've talked we've talked at, at like extensively throughout the show about like how like I don't know how much of it was on purpose. I don't even know how much of it was set from the beginning, but like how this all became like queer coding. Um mm-hmm. like it's a coming out story. It's also talking about disability and it's also talking about neurodivergence and it's talking about like like it's so mm-hmm. the like found family and the way that all of these became such like strongly tethered themes because all of us anytime someone would kind of lay it down everyone was like yes i'm here tug of war let's fucking go this thing is coming with us it was amazing like how how quick we caught on to all those things and like by the end i was like i was like oh my god i'm holding all of these look at all these themes look at all these (laughs) holding all of these things and all of them are beautiful and all of them tied into every single character in such like nuanced ways that it was always always will make me so happy like it is such a it's so so cool this game was great you guys (laughs) Um, yeah uh, second to all of that Um, so little monkey asks me uh, was there anything you had fully planned out but never got to use because the players did something uninspected well (laughs) the truth is is that there's actually a ton of stuff like that like this game 
you know, I, I knew I would be doing a lot of planning, but like, you know, I, you don't really want something to be, you know, hundred percent on rails, you know, it's like, you want to give the players a lot of flexibility at the same time. It's like, you want the player, you know, you want the world to sort of feel like it means something and just not eternally be kind of bending and shifting randomly to accommodate people's decisions. So it's like, I sort of, I sort of set out to do this game with sort of like a middle ground where it's like, you know, half the time the game bends around what you want to do, half the time you make a decision and that decision will have consequences, but those consequences will echo into a future game rather than what's happening here. So you'll do something and it'll, you know, I, I might finish up what I had planned so that, you know, this episode feels complete, but then next week, something's going to happen because of what you did, which is now, you know, entirely, you know, based on your decision. But sometimes that stuff is unavoidable. For example, in the, uh, I think the all-time champ of, of, of this kind of thing um, is Omar. Um, and there was a game, uh, in, in, I think it was the episode Endeavor that I, I referred to before. Uh, the team had been sent to pick up Declan Eklund and, and bring him into end custody. And I had, you know, planned this as like an escort mission, you know, where it's like they're going to pick him up. And then, like, I had spent so much time planning, like, car chases and helicopters and, like, what happens if they go to the tunnel? What happens if they go to the bridge? You know, then there'll be a roadblock here. And what happens if they drive off the bridge? I got and, car know, stats that day. Like the, stat that sheets. Week, he, stat sheets he emphasized the in the game, like, some of the mechanics about it early on. Yep. I was all prepared for this. And then Omar is just like, all right. Why don't y'all just get on the ferry and take Eklund home and I'll just drive around in the car and, and lead the, the bad guys on a chase. And, and I was just like, uh, and it was like the one thing that I had kind of not thought of or prepared for in any way, shape or form. So everything that happened in that game from there on in was just kind of like pure, you know, hundred percent improv. And, and, and what it turned out to be was like Omar Vian got caught, you know, by the cops and that's where he first met Noah Rose, uh, who who wound up kind of evolving into like a you know a bad guy in his own right, and it's like none of that stuff would have happened you know had had Omar not made that decision you know it's like it would have just been a big car chase and, and stuff like that and it's like it, it turned out to be so much better than like you know just like a big stupid car chase and it's like you know but like at that time where he was just like you know y'all go on the ferry and I'll just you know I'll just drive around in circles and I was just like uh uh. Uh, uh, and I would just sit there and just like, can I, hey, can, you know, can I stop him from doing that? Like, I was like, <laughs> I'm thinking, what, what can I do? How can I stop him? You know, it's like, it's like, <laughs> I think the so, question should be, why would you stop Omar? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. But how can I stop him? A biography of Omar Najam is already too perfect. There you go. Ain't no stopping him now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So that is definitely that. Uh, a zillion moments like it, but that was always the one that rang out in my head was that episode. Um, uh, Victoria Gale wants to know, what was your favorite episode and why? Um, wow. That's a freaking tough question. Um, who wants to go first? The second day off. The fair, the museum. Easy, easy, uh, the easy answer. That is, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. See, uh, the first one for me was just like. It's very good. The, well, They're the so close. They're yeah. so close in my mind, yeah. Well, hold on, Kate. I need to separate something in my brain. Is the first day off, do we, is that when we visit the museum? Yeah, and the first day off was the actual road trip. Yeah, road trip. Yeah. Okay, well then, museums, my favorite the episode. The first day you visit the museum. That was in episode. That was when we went to the museum. 
Yeah. It's like Welcome to Saul 3 or something like that. Like yeah. the season two premiere, I think. Yeah, I believe yeah. so. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes, 11. 10. 11. Um, yeah, oh what's amazing God. is the, the second day off episode, we yeah. almost did not do. It was yeah. a scheduled yeah. episode. And then like, as we were getting to the end, I was sort of just like, I wanted more time to them to play their characters without having to worry about bad guys or mysteries or stuff. And just like, you know, and, and, and it, it wound up kind of adding all this heart and significance to the end. I could not imagine, you know, the last two episodes of yeah. the show, had we not done that, it, you know, the big, big lesson there, which is like, you know, at least for me as a GM, you know, is that like, you do not always need something to happen. You know, it's like, there doesn't always have to be a bad guy. There doesn't always have to be a mystery or an obstacle. Mm -hmm. It's like every, at least every once in a while, you need that episode where it's just like, you're in Port Ruby, do whatever you want. And it, it was so good. Um, We've talked about that one, like, at length, that how, like, that really, like, it gave us the, like, to, like, finish everything. And, like, with no, there was no plot. We finished all the plot, but, like, there was all this emotional catharsis and, like, setting up all of these things that all came perfectly to fruition in, like, the finale that was just so amazing mm -hmm. and like already it was it would have been a beautiful episode but like the way that it just like gave us all these okay and we're gonna set up the rest of these dominoes and the finale let's go let's knock it out like it was so i perfect. love the finales the finales like the i can't finales. pick a favorite finale no. like yeah. i was sitting here trying to figure out glass tower or season mm -hmm. five finale because yeah. like i really love the like let's just mm -hmm. like not let's just disrespect our surroundings and disrespect mm -hmm. the antagonist and just like so do better at at an enemy and that like that i think was best typified by glass tower but like the the union of payoffs of of the season five finale i loved our finales because like to me the finales are really really rick magic that it's where we get to see all of the payoffs that he's engineered it's where we get to see how he does it because the whole season we're working up we're like okay but how's he gonna do this how is this gonna happen oh oh uh, oh uh, <clears throat> oh that's what like they're they're always unexpected for me even if if he's foreshadowed things that i think i see coming there's always something great and unexpected and beautiful and well done and like that aspect that part is the gm that's not the stuff we we are contributing material to those as we are contributing the setups that he pays off so elegantly. And I think that's where you really get to see so much of the craft of Rick as as a creative. Right. Because there's like the aspect where he's paying attention to everything. But then he also has to be clever enough to get all of these pieces to work. And that is, I think, maybe the unsung way in which Rick is so extraordinary as a GM, it's really easy to talk about like the tangible material. I have like 16 documents and I can take notes on everything. And like, yo, no matter how you are as a GM, like that attention to detail, like that, that pays clear dividends. But like, I don't think everyone can replicate the creative connections that Rick draws together and how, how elegantly he does so. I don't think I don't think you can hard work your way into that necessarily. Like certainly from having practice as a professional writer, because that just gets your mind into the correct mindset and like creative things can always improve as a craft. But like, it's really where you get to see Rick's excellence. 
those finales. And that's why they're my favorite. And it's also why you can't make me choose. Uh, I like the bug episode. (laughs) The first day. Uh, uh, The uh, the, the space episode. Oh, when we were on the planet, we just bought a bunch of bugs. Oh, yeah. Okay. Space. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We do bug episodes, apparently. I mean, it's I'm so trying to solve mysteries, and I had like resigned to just not solve it because I couldn't. <laughs> like I'm, I'm zipping through, you know, my my list of episodes, and it's like, you know, um, we need like a wiki where it's got like just like the bolded name and then like the little episode blurb. No spoilers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would that would be good. Um, <laughs> You know, I, 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 can't, I don't know if I could ever pick a favorite episode. It's like there are just too too many that have moment. You know, like in season one, um, uh, uh, "Beware the Moon," the, the where everybody broke Brooke Barrett out of prison, like the kind oh, of gosh. you know, the, sort of Audrey Reed shows up as a character, That's right? So and it's like a cool, like little mission, like you know, do, 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 doing crimes for for a good reason. Um, uh, there was in season two. Um, uh, there was uh, there was an episode called Different, um, which I think was Vion when Vion's sister kidnapped him in the cage. Right. And, and, uh, yeah. That um, was the funniest to me. She refused yeah. to believe it was you. That was just such a good like character episode for reading, mm-hmm. like to really learn about Vion. We had never for met ever- a single person that knew about you. I think and for, for everybody. Having- yeah, I, I feel like there was yes foreshadowing. Oh yeah, foreshadowing galore in there. But like, I feel like there were some good moments with Benny and Dino in that episode. Ah, and, and, yes. Um, Lewis, the security guard, made his first appearance at the Arboretum. <laughs> yeah. Um, MVP Lewis, the uh, best. I hope he's and like later nice that later that season there was a uh, two six was called Deer Cove, where you know went to the little town, uh, you know where. Uh, Guinevere Voller and Bridget Poole and, and, and those characters Lesbian lived. Yeah. yeah, Lesbian Magic episode. Uh, <laughs> I love that. Uh, oh, where you laid in the Latin that paid off at the end of the season. Yep. Yes. Oh my Ooh. God. Yes. Um, yeah, what else was there? Um, I liked uh, Father Figures in 3 5, uh, Ruben Reese uh, and, and, and his son, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, that was kind of a two-parter with a loan, but like, you know, I, I, I sort of loved that whole little thing. Um, I loved the living dead from, from three, which is where Ulez and Maria bonded. Um, <laughs> the first day off was great. Um, I love changes, uh, where, where Will came back to Port Ruby and, yes! uh, yeah. That was um, so good. <laughs> yeah. That, that was, that was a fun one. Um, I, I'm just going through everything. It's like, you Good. know, uh, keep going. Keep going. We we're here for this. Uh, <laughs> the trial of Cadrax Eversinger. Oh my uh, God. Oh God. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you warned me about that public speaking. Uh, Most of the time, it. I just monologue like a jerk, and then you see the nice comedy where it's like, and, and I like bugs. I feel like I'm just a setup for y'all to be hilarious. <laughs> but that monologue terrified me. So oh, it was good. so good. It was so, so good. good. I transcribed oh the whole God. thing afterwards. It was so great. Oh, um, amazing. Later that episode, Where the Heart Is and all that, um, uh, which is where Dino dies. And like Caitlin yeah. just just absolutely just crushed that episode. That's one of my um, favorite episodes, honestly. It's devastating that as much as it broke my entire heart and soul, it was really good. <laughs> Hurting Benny makes such good art. I'm so sorry, but you do too well with it. It's a problem. If you don't want it, you really shouldn't be so good. 
have a lot of emotions and they need to come out somehow. And, they, and that episode is named after something that you had said in Trial of Cadrax Eversinger when you were right. when you were rallying Cadrax. You were like, you know, you know, we'll go home where the heart is and all that. And I was just like, for some reason, that oh. stuck in my head. So, well, you know, when it's you beautiful. got home, I was like, we had to call it that. Um, oh, my God. Gosh, Super Villains of Port Ruby was a ton of fun. Oh, yeah. um, I love those guys. So, I want to be them again so bad. <laughs> oh, my. I don't lean into very They're often. Perfect. And just like, it was just so good for all of us. Oh. Uh, but also um, above table things that we really enjoyed. Um, the The little... The little short fix that Omar did absolutely yeah. wrecked me. Yes. Like I went back and I like did a voiceover of the radio transcript that he had written for Cat. Like just I loved ever. Really like cool. you wrote so, you went so hard, Omar. And that you have that capacity in you after everything amazing you're already doing. Um is is OP, but we will overlook. Uh, this over uh, attribution of skill points. <laughs> uh, simply gleaning the incredible creative work that everyone else is doing. That was <laughs> the easiest thing in the world because it was just these incredibly crafted characters for a one shot. Bunch of weirdos that I am obsessed with. Seriously. Yeah. And they came back though. Okay, that was one of the moments where like I, I started to really like oh, that overwhelming crying feeling where it's like, how dare you come back? I love you. I love you. It was my back end game. Everyone shows up and I'm just screaming in the theater feeling. Oh my God. On that topic, our space friends, um, the warriors <gasps> with two legs. <gasps> yes! oh. I almost like threw up from feelings. This is why I say the freaking season five finale. Cause it's like, it's a monument to like all of the things that we've done and like yeah, all so the good. connections happened we made and the, and the love everyone comes together cause they love this freaking city and so heck you. The oh, love you put into the world fun. grows, it comes mm-hmm. back for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that, that was great. That was, that was the episode right before Trial of Cadrax Eversinger. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love that I whole like, you know, yeah, the evacuation of, yes. um, of Spire and stuff like that, like, you know, that's probably like the low point of the whole series. I mean, like, you know, from a storytelling perspective, not quality, you know. Um, so in season five, just uh, Vion and Sheriff Virgil Wheeler's adventure together, I, I, I super loved. Um, I loved uh, Twist of Fate, Cadrax um, uh, getting to meet uh, Crescendra. Um, I loved Ignition, uh, Benny's, you know, power time loop thing. Um, uh, uh, I absolutely love, I mean, for me personally, Monstrous, like where you all went back in time and you fought with, uh, you know, fought side by side with Kentu and Sasapes against the Red Mist and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, like I, I spent, I spent, you know, oh my God, so much time, you know, uh, with a consultant working out, you know, that yeah. episode and building to it for so long. And it, like, I, I sort of, you know, I, I, I was sort of, when it, I, don't know, I had this like incredible, since when it was done, just like it was like, oh my god, it really happened. We did it. Um, yeah, the season five finale. A lot of good ones in season five. Um, oh yeah. Uh, I love Destiny's Return in, in, in season six. Mystery. So Man. good. So good. Um, yeah. Um, I loved uh, uh, six five. Uh, Dexter Vale's, you know, coming back. Um, Eddie Doty. Just- I get one living mentor. <laughs> Hey, hey, that's not bad. <laughs> um, yeah, of course, the the last hurrah um, uh, and 
and, and honestly, it's like I loved the series finale for me. Uh, was yeah. just you know uh, just the best kind of roller coaster. So yeah, so that's my favorite episode. All twenty five of the ones that I just. And honestly, it's like. <laughs> I, I just I can't, and I probably there are probably twenty others in there that I, I could have named too. It's too hard. Just list every one through sixty nine. Can I say that? Is that my favorite episode? Uh, one, one through sixty eight. Uh, six, sixty eight. I think. Sixty eight. Sixty eight. One of those was a Q and A, but I, I know I, that Q and A Q&A. was so good. It was very good. I was having power issues, so I think I had to like call it on my iPad or something. Oh like, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, your I think maybe this one should supersede. The other Q and A, like like Highlander, there can only be one. <laughs> um, I am entirely unmotivated by episode numbering in yes, this request. Yeah, <laughs> Coster, I just so, remember that I cried for three of the four hours of the finale, like that I was in, fully in tears for three of like the four and a half hours. No, there's a I lot of so me dehydrated. Myself. Oh my, I did my drink so much water the next day. Yeah, everybody, everybody, hydrate or die straight. Come on, let's go. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Frig Jar Hador uh, again asks um, for the players: Was there anything you wanted to do or explore, but never got to because Rick did all the unexpecteds? No, I got to everything I wanted to do. Every single thing. <laughs> yeah. Anybody? Yeah, I think everything was done. Like B? Um, <laughs> I, and I don't know how this could have been done, but like maybe revisiting the, uh, the, the Ula's solo episode with the crystals, um, and those people, that was a very integral, like, adventure for Ula's to be able to give themselves permission to, like, be more than just a keeper, um, and I guess, I don't know if I'm like yelling at you because of that, but maybe like, I wish I could have found more ways to have injected that into other places. I mean, honestly, it's like I will tell you is that like, I did, I did spend some time trying to think if there was some way to fit that into like when we went to space and, you know, I, I thought about, you know, talking to Marquia and seeing if she could come back. But I just, you know, given given how short our seasons were and how much mm-hmm. else had to happen, I just couldn't really find a place to bring in, you know, another alien planet and race. And like, we sort of had enough to do just with Spire and Beta Pixis. Um, but yeah, that was such a great episode, honestly. It's like, and like both Marquia and Max absolutely just rocked that episode. Um, both just, <laughs> I remember, and I never met this Max person. And I remember being very concerned. And then he was just like this delightful weirdo that fit the episode and the tone perfectly. Like, ugh, well, so happy. If you're interested, I think uh, Saving Throw sells a t shirt that says, Max Isaacson ruined my life. Um, <laughs> Oh god! I just realized we had like every regular from Tempting Fate on the show right. at some point or another. Yep. Ah, wow. Oh my goodness. Well, you you're know, really impressive, we, Rick. In ways I'm we, still unpacking. Obviously. No, we 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 had, we had great people on Tempting Fate. We were lucky to have them there and lucky and to me. bring them back here. Yeah, and and Chip. Mm-hmm. No, no, you're the best. Um, no, I really. So no, clearly, you're the regular uh, here. So you won Tempting Fate. I think is what that means. <laughs> <laughs> Lead me not into temptation, or do I'm not the boss of you. Actually, I do remember Omar once asked if he can find um, Koji, the street artist, uh, yeah. and, and find that character. Oh yeah, and I could not was- quite find a way to make that 
happen anywhere, you know, especially since like he didn't leave you with any like phone numbers or anything like that, you know. Yeah. So I, I, I brought him back in the in the series finale, having him paint a mural of Vion really sort good. of so that he would have I a last presence. But like otherwise it's like that's one of the few things I could think of that like somebody, you know, kind of specifically wanted and I just was never quite able to find a spot for. Um, see, I lay awake at night thinking about stuff. Like <laughs> Literally, the only thing that I was like, okay, oh, hey, this is the only thing I never really wrapped up for Benny. Uh, Rick gave me the perfect like setup for it in the finale, so I was like, it didn't even matter. I was like, I didn't know how to end. I was like, there needs to be something for Benny's photography. That's been her thing. That was the first like character trait I gave her is that she did photography and like the stellar photography and whatever. That was like her. That was the thing that I had. And by the end, it hadn't come up in a while. And I always forget to say that she has her camera on her. And I was like, how do we bring this back? I don't want her to just be like, and she's photography on the side. Like that just feels like, you know, a nothing thing. And because okay. like, well, maybe, maybe there's something you can do like with like a, I don't, I think you said like a photo album or you said something about her photos and we crafted, we came up with like what the scene was going to be beforehand. And I was like, Oh, this is the perfect ending for her. Like, I have tried to tell that part of the ending to so many people, but I can't talk enough about it because I start choking up and crying and it makes <laughs> no sense because I'm just talking, talking about, about this scene right album. now. Is Rudin illegal? <clears throat> oh my God. That was like, I, it, that did something to my heart and it will never be the same. Yeah. I've got yeah. people like, yeah. Scott, I was like, I'm going to pick like five things, five photos that she'd taken. And so like half of those were photos that I had announced she had taken. And I was like, but I can't just do that. I can't just stop there. I had to do the whole thing. There's a thing that like television finales often do where it's like, you know, in some way or another, they'll find a way to work like long montages of, of you know, clips from the previous, you know, everything you've seen all along the way. A lot of actually my favorite finales do this, you know, in one way or another. And, and, and like, you brought that to this finale. It was like, it was like watching one of those montages. It was like, oh my God, look at how far we've come. It was, a, it was such an amazing moment. Thank you. Caitlin. I couldn't even, I was like um, crying. I like fully had to stop like four times because I couldn't say that. I was like, I have very, I'm very bad at composure, which we all didn't know about me at this point. But like, <laughs> I was like, I was like, I knew it was coming. I was like, okay, I'm good. I know what this is going to be. I, ha I had made a list. I had gone through all of my notes and like found instances in which photos would have existed or notes I'd taken of photos that I did announce that I took. And I was like, I know exactly what's coming. And we see so you sat down and everything leading up to that point had made me so like emotionally fragile. I think I was like, I sit down and I immediately, <laughs> I just start over like three times. So, well, we got through it in the end. <laughs> I was really, no. really grateful that I got to do that. That that was like, was I got to make a really like lovely like bow to like the first thing that I came up with about Benny outside of her powers. So that was, was that beautiful. Was, that was great. I'm glad I got to do that. Cam asks, what's your favorite in-universe object from the show for the cast, not characters or NPCs? Mm. So I guess, you know. Like items, stuff. Uh, yeah, items, stuff. So like Ulez's, I think, I think, and this is what I kind of superimposed in my brain, whether or not this is what you actually gifted me, Rick. Um, but Ulez got their, like, their computer, like, their supercomputer that was, like, the see-through, like, the uh, yes. uh, 2000s, 90s Game Boys. Okay, okay, yes. And it was just, like, a little, like, weird and retro and strangely specific and a little alien, but it was what Ulez wanted, and it's what I loved. So I always imagine their office that just was, like, very sterile and like standard and then that wacky wacky computer and desk so good 
Easy uh, clap uh, that glass from Sonnevelle's window. Yes. They all picked up for me. That just mm. absolutely destroyed me. Making that, um, making your bracelet, making it wearable. After everything that that was, it just yeah. meant so, so much. Like, and 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 it speaks so well to like the generosity of the players finding gifts. Because like, it it hit me. Let alone what that does to my character, but just like the consideration that a player shows for another player, like the freaking the physical gifts and how the physical gifts are narrative gifts at the same time um, is, I say again, rude and possibly illegal. You'll be hearing from my fields lawyers. Uh, I have two, and one of them is kind of a joke, but I'm being genuine about it. But uh, I went to Old Rifton, and my parents went to Old Rifton, and all I got was this ah. stupid t-shirt t-shirt that has been in my inventory since season one. Yes. Um, love that. It sounds what? like it's- really? Yeah, it's been in my inventory since season one. I've had it on me the entire time. I'm not wearing it, but I have had it on me. Um, uh, that's a jokey answer, but it is genuine. And then to the camera that- um, uh, two, actually, both cameras. The camera that Vion gave Benny and the camera that um, Dino's brother let mm-hmm. Benny keep. Yeah. <sighs> I think are her, yeah, my favorite items. Man, honestly, are you, if you had come to me at the beginning of the series and been like, Dino Mink is going to wind up being the emotional flashpoint of this show, right. I would have just been like, what? He <laughs> <laughs> was such a turd in the beginning. I mean, he, yep. that's, uh, I know. and that's what we fell in love with him for. <laughs> I told Rick, oh, like after after everything had come to pass, after Dino you know, like passing all all of that stuff and the the visiting his grave and everything, I was like, oh, I remember having a moment the first time Dino and Benny had a heart to heart that was like genuine and grounded. I was like, I remember having the thought, oh, Dino's gonna die. <laughs> like before he did, I did. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, I knew before uh, Rick did. I was like, oh, Dino's gonna die. Like I did. <laughs> Not even in like a, oh, whatever, but I just had like the passing thought and then like forgot, it like floated away and I forgot about it. And then like when Dino did die, I was like, I had sudden like vivid memories of like, I knew, I knew it. It was because he wasn't like core, mm-hmm. you know, he isn't like a core person that it would absolutely destroy the entire game and make people upset about it. Mm-hmm. But like it was emotional. There was emotional touchstone enough where it meant something without being completely toppling in nature. And I just had this like moment of like, oh, we're going to be friends. Oh, Dino's gonna die. <laughs> and I told Rick that afterwards. He was like, I didn't even know that. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I remember like, you know, when, when you were in space and I was like, you know, trying to, you know, come coming home, I was like, I, I feel like something something needs something needs to have happened while they were gone. Yeah. You know, there needs to be like a oh my god, we should have been here kind of moment. And I spent like a lot of time thinking about that. And then I was like, you know, maybe somebody died. And I kept like going through characters trying on, you know, who 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 might be dead. And 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 you know, there was all this sort of, you know, it's like, nah, that character you know, is too important or that character is not emotional enough or yeah, why would yeah. you know this one will kind of be like, oh that's sad and life will move on. And then I remembered that Dino and Benny had had that heart to heart, you know, and and he had really like, had, you know, had to be him. reached out, yeah, and 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 that was just kind of hanging out there. Yeah, I had just reached out to him too to ask for help. I asked if he knew anybody. Like, so it was literally like the perfect like dang. I, I didn't even mean it that way. I didn't think that that was like, at all what was going to be happening when we came home. But it was just like it had to be that way. I think like I can't imagine that that needed to happen, and it's sad to say that, but it it was really it was a like a. It was beautiful, actually. Like, <laughs> it's one of those moments that, like, you find along the way that just feels like it was always supposed to, you know, be like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, 
That's one of the ones with with Maria and Ulez becoming Maria one. and Ulez, right? Guy. Those mm-hmm. I feel like are the same like uh, like level of like of course that was going to happen even though we didn't yeah. know it until it was coming. Yeah, uh, Keith Sutton being a descendant of Cassandra. Yes, exactly. Same. Yeah, I've screamed at Rick about it, but I'll scream at Rick about it in front of chat. Like <laughs> especially given just the resonance of the casting to this Tran, like. That this gets to be a thing was such a particular Sam DeLevo wrapped gift beyond that, like, we got to see a really direct payoff um, of, like, the now time from the then time. Other than the guns that killed me, that one hurt. (laughs) Both times. Any favorite objects? The statue that we buried deep, deep underground. (laughs) Oh, Uh, yeah. Like... The statue yes. itself, I'm not a fan of, but just the symbolism of <laughs> taking a seemingly permanent, you know, fixture of history of a terrible man and then burying that and just being like, this is now like now your legacy is trapped <laughs> and will forever be trapped. Um, I just thought I love when an episode of a TTRPG ends on like a visual it, that makes it cinematic. I hear that term used a lot for TTRPGs, and I'm like, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, it's not really editing because we're not like cutting like a thing, I guess. But like that to me was like I that we saw the object. Like you ended on that, and I don't know. That, I just think about that statue a lot. I think about burying that statue a lot. That was such a great moment, man. <laughs> uh, I, I think for me, and it's like there are a lot of great there there are a lot of great little objects throughout the series. You know, I mean, obviously. Vion's compass, you know, I, I was really important to me. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I'm going to think for my absolute favorite, I'm going to have to go with uh, Ulez's elbow. Um, yeah, uh-huh. the philosophical elbow? Yes, the philosophical <laughs> elbow. Um, oh, that's so good. It yeah, became no, more of like a meme than it was even its own thing, you know? And that's but what it was, I it was still beautiful and lovely. And like it made, like it still made sense, even though like <laughs> Elbow sounds funny. Like it's so, it all made uh, sense. It all made sense and was perfect. Everything about Ulas was like that, where like out of context sounded like it could be a silly thing, but it was so, every single thing, regardless of that, was so emotionally poignant. I love it. All the time. It was, mm-hmm. it's meaningful to them and this show starts from the assumption that things matter to people for good reasons and so while it seems silly on the surface and it is silly on the surface and we can be happy about this silly feeling we can also take the person seriously and how they feel about that philosophical elbow series (laughs) actually the show is founded on the assumption that people will watch anything with sam and omar in it but um... i mean success And uncomfortable. Let's rest it. <laughs> Hidden McCoy wants uh, for Sam. Um, rewatching Steven Universe lately, I think I noticed some pearl in Cadrack's Eversinger. Was that an intentional inspiration, or was that by accident, or am I just imagining things? Oh no, my queer card's gonna get taken away because you have to remember, yes, I am a gay, and yes, I have, it's gay culture, of course I know it, so I'm aware of the existence of Steven Universe as a thing I haven't watched, whoops. Um, but I think Cadrax is in a lot of ways very archetypal. Um, they are a, they are a stoic, they're a certain sort of like, I talked about tropes in a blender at the last Q and A, um, and it still holds true. So if I've done my job right, you'll see 
bits of them in a whole lot of different places. And it's not because I ever got direct influences on them. Um, I, I can't pull back out from the blender. I think I put Thor in a blender last Q&A. I can't remember really very mm -hmm. many other things. I think the force probably also went in the blender at some point. Um, uh, no, sorry, the choir beyond. There we go. Um, all better now. Uh, so that stuff will probably show up in a lot of places just because we're trying to, to keep these characters transparent so you get what they're about pretty quickly. And then we can move on to the, okay, cool. Now let's, let's change them or like show more depth about them. Um, you pick up on the tropes part and, and those, those will be all over the place. I'm pretty sure I came to you like every other month. I'd be like, Hey Sam, I just watched the thing. And this reminds me of Cat Jacks. You were like, yeah, haven't seen it. That's the trope. Like it was every <laughs> modern science has yet to prove yeah. that Sam has a television. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, we watched a whole bunch of culture uh, this week. So Take that on there. I watched here. all of the things that the banner signifying demise. Yes. We had a good uh, time. We finished yes, it today. Really today. Uh, so heckin' good. So, uh, <laughs> okay, I pull up asks me, uh, was Tally's death planned and Rick used Cadrax's earthquake as a catalyst for it, or if it was something thought up on the fly? And um it, it, it Cad, Cad Tally's death was one of those things like I was talking about before where it's like a player does something in an episode, you know, that feels like it needs to have an echo, you know, or some kind of consequence to it. Uh, but, you know, doesn't necessarily has to happen that second. So when, when Cadrax unleashed this massive earthquake onto Baronsdale, I'm like, well, obviously there have to be repercussions of, of causing a huge earthquake. And it's like, yeah, you can have freeways break up and buildings collapse and stuff like that. But that, that just feels like backgroundy stuff. There had to be something that like carried some emotional weight to it. So that, that, that was kind of like, I, you know, Tally goes into surgery and, you know, doesn't come out of it. Um, just, yeah, so not planned in advance, just sort of picked up on what Sam did and just reshape what was going on to, to kind of carry that forward. Um, sorry, Sam. Um, I was feeling but, really big feelings, okay? I, I, hey, I gave, I gave you a mentor that stayed alive. What do you want from me? Um, so uh, I, didn't, I didn't kill Eddie Doughty. Um, so uh, Caitlin. Uh, okay, now we have a bunch of questions from Gemini Lightning. Um, Gemini Lightning wants to know from Caitlin, how was it having Benny go from someone who was wary of her powers to someone who became arguably the strongest in combat? How has that change also manifested in Benny's social standing? Oh, man. God, if I talk about it, I'm with all these guys. When we do post-show stuff, I just talk. I've, they've all heard everything front and back. Benny is so special to me. Like this was, I never anticipated any of this when I first made her. Like I said, I was expecting maybe like a season or two confidence arc and like it just became the whole story. And just, I don't know, getting to play through that and like finding new ones. Like after every episode, I get to sit and be like, okay, something big happened. Was this big in a moving forward way or was this big in a moving backward way? And there were even like small things, small, like little things that were like, okay, but this still has a big, like it's going to have a big ripple for her. And so I remember talking to Rick, I was like, yeah, we're at a point where like, she's feeling confident. She's feeling more brave and like it, but it's such, it's so precarious because she just got there that like, if something bad were to happen, if she were to lose control in any like substantial way, it would set her back 
like a full season, I think. And maybe we would build back up from there. And I remember Rick being like, oh, good to know. And I don't think anything happened at that point, but it was like, I was always really, really cognizant of like, where, where, are she, where is Benny in the fire? How, how comfortable is she right now? Like based on everything that's happened and like going, going, going through with like her powers changing, all of that was, was built on like, how good is she getting with being herself? Like not even good at like good at, but like comfortable with and okay with and agreeing with. And then anytime it was like that she had stable footing, I got to like pull the rug out from under her just like a little bit, just like keep her on her toes. Um, and so it just kind of kept that, arc moving I don't really I don't really even know how to describe it I could talk about this for fucking hours she is so important to me she is so special and her story was really just uh, a surprise and just I'm gonna cry actually talking about it if I think about it, I'm gonna cry about it she yeah I didn't expect her and I think she uh I think there was backwards bleed like she gave me some stuff like there was a there's a, a level of like confidence that like you fake it till you make it that like I was helping Benny build that like I think I was like following along you know I was we're going I'm like stacking the blocks but I got to be moving forward too to do that so it was yeah she's she's very special and I got to go through a lot with her and I was the second half of the question what was the her social standing oh she's still awkward she's still an awkward motherfucker she feels less like bad about it but she's still a little bit like um yeah oh yeah okay sure like she she I don't think she got any better at like speaking but she's very she's very earnest and i think that helps her out <laughs> there you go that's a lot of words i have a lot of feelings about her there you go <laughs> gemini lightning again now asks me was sandy in on it the whole time at the closing of the series sandy made an allusion to the way was that a faux pas unintentional set on purpose if not what made sandy trust these characters so much um so yes, no, Sandy, Sandy's allusion to the way was just, I think, more of like a thematic resonance because I think, you know, the, the whole series in a sense is kind of about four characters finding their way, you know, and we have a god of the way and a compass that's very important. And, you know, it's like sort of that, it's just woven into the DNA of like all the storytelling. Um, Sandy's just Sandy and, and um, uh, somebody asked, you know, uh, if, if, if he's, that it's going to be the next spirit of justice or something like that. And it's like, you know, hopefully not because I, I think Dr. Pavagi established that you have to be murdered to be the spirit of justice. So um, I'm keeping my fingers crossed for a big no on that one. Although, you know, I, I can't decide what happens after the series is over. That's for, for y'all, you know, decide for yourself. Um, as for what made Sandy trust these characters so much is just, I, I think, you know, uh, just I, I think that is the kind of the kind of man that he is is just he, he he wants to believe you know the best about people he he is genuinely interested in people um he, it, it's weird you know it's like I, I have a secret for like when you want to play these kind of like warm characters you know who uh who kind of um you know just just sort of radiate kindness and, and an understanding, um, just, just do an impression of Omar and, um, uh, and, and, and basically you cannot fail. Uh, so a hundred percent. That was my no. only one for beat. That's what I got. Just yeah, be, if you want to be a better version of yourself, just be Omar. I'm just imitating all of you. So this is becoming nah, a snack no, no, no. real fast. Um, it starts at Omar. Yeah. Come nah. on. Yeah, this one's actually on you, bro. You, you uh -huh. gotta if, if yeah. Rick has to take his compliments today, so do you. Now, now sit there and eat your compliments, sweetie. 
Yeah, 100%. When Sam was playing Pete in the NPCs game, I literally was just like, just channel Omar and you'll be fine. <laughs> literally uh, the direction. We alluded to it in the episode. That was the direction. It, it was Omar. And I was like, okay, I got this. Um, so, yeah, it's like, you know, uh, Omar, uh, you know, there, there's there's parts of him in, in Pete and in Sandy, and you know, and, and it's just sort of like, uh, I did not know that Sandy was going to wind up quite being what he was in the show. Um, Les's best friend. Yep. Yeah. Oh, my God. They're best painting friend. together and like doing art together and stuff like that and decorating the ship. It's like it all. It was so it was so good. Like, you know, they had like a routine hangout. It was probably in the mornings before most people were up. You know, Sandy would do the walk around the building, grab Ulez. Ulez would set up like the crayons and paper or whatever uh, uh, means of art they were going to do today. Maybe it was just taking a leaf and sketching it around, you know? And I think like that, those are the moments that I just really imagine with Sandy. And that is just the best, the hecking best. Oh my God. I love so many of those, those Ulez Sandy moments. Um, <laughs> So, speaking of Ulez, Gemini Lightning wants to know, uh, B, Ulez is a gardener and a grower of plants. How do you think they feel about the way they've tended their garden of friends and acquaintances? How does this impact their gardening of plants and vice versa? And how does the gardening of plants impact the way they take care of people? Huh! What a wonderful question. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, I guess if I could kind of uh, rattle off the very first thing that my, my brain uh, went to when I heard this is the thing that maybe Ulez really had to come to understand with friends is you can let them stand on their own to bear the hard things, the heavy stuff. And, you know, as long as you trust them and you support them, they will be okay. And uh, I like to imagine maybe Ulez had always been taught to like coddle. Uh, plant life because they'd been dealing with that from a variety of planets and then they get this group of friends that are so tough but need each other and you know I feel like both of those things can kind of feed into each other well you all heard of tree huggers now you've heard of plant cuddlers yeah, um, yeah great question great answer um Okay, I pull up. Uh, asks me, do the spirit of justice, uh, spirits of justice, all share phasing, but develop unique abilities that only they have, like uh, Kipper, Sweetletrot, Super Speed, and Vion's postcognition. Um, that's a great question, um, and maybe for more than I've actually thought about it. But like, I think in my mind, every spirit of justice has a unique power set. Actually, uh, they might not even all have phasing. Um, uh, it might be something that is related to the personality that they take on some sort of reflection of, of the person or or maybe just some sort of accident of the magic that creates them or or maybe the god of the way shapes their powers you know knowing what dangers that they're going to be facing and you know and, and gives them a power set appropriate to the to the adventure you know that maybe he foresees that they have um but uh yeah that's a fantastic question and um you know Again, I, I think that's the kind of thing that you can you can answer any way you want, uh, you know, whatever makes the most sense for you. Um, if, I, if I don't have Darren's character sheet in front of me, I don't think Kipper had phasing. So technically speaking, I guess the answer is no, they don't all have phasing. But, but you know, it, it could be an unlisted power. He had super speed and like the flash can like vibrate through walls and stuff. So there, there might be some just like implied overlap there. Um, 
I don't know. We could talk about the Flash later, though. Uh, so, Omar, Gemini Lightning, wants to know, ultimately, why do you think the Spirit of Justice picked Vion's life to inhabit for a while? What did the revelation that your character didn't really end up being a ghost affect the way you played him near the end of the campaign? Ooh, I'll answer those in reverse, I suppose. Um, I'm so glad that that happened in the last episode because <laughs> that we only had like, uh, you know, uh, uh, an hour or two to kind of explore that. And then we had bigger fish to fry. So it was like, all right, we can, we can put those, that huge emotional revelation, like on the back burner. Um, but I do think that they're, you know, going over it in my mind and knowing that that stuff was coming. I think it was, it does come to that question of like, is that true? Like, if even if it's literally true, if you thought you had someone else's life and you live through their choices, does that not become you? And I think that if we were to explore that philosophical, you know, quandary in our world, that gets a little complicated. But like in a universe where you can become a part of a collective, um, what does what does individuality? mean in terms of like preserving the ego i guess right and i and all that comes from um ulez uh it, it, you know coming from ulez and then um Kendrick's coming in and being like i'm part of a like a chorus and you know what's the purpose of one note um in a sheet of music like it, it, do you stop and listen to that or is it the entire piece working in harmony uh quite literally and then benny just being like i'm part of the city and like I'm part of like and like and like and like I'm part of families. Um, you know, I want to help kids and make sure that they feel safe. At a certain point, I think what was so interesting about Vion was that it um, it was that the death of the individual uh, and someone who was propped up to be like, go win awards, go write books, have your name on it, go be on posters, uh, and for him to kind of work through that and by the end just be like. I was never any of that. Like none of that means anything. It's always been for the service of a healthy society, like a healthy community. Um, and I think that that made it realizing that he wasn't the individual anymore was I think the last piece that was needed to be like, this is tough, but you know, in the words of Virgil, we like, I'm okay with it. Like, this is, this is the game. This is the gambit. Um, this is what we do. Um, and, uh, it's the best thing we can do is be a part of so many lives. Um, so yeah, what was the first part of the question again? I remember that being one where I was like, I got to buy some time to think about the answer. <laughs> well, um, the, uh, ultimately, why do you think the spirit of justice picked Vion's life to inhabit for a while? That's a real, that's such a good, I, this is a terrible answer. Uh, and I'm aware of that. And so I'll apologize at a time. I think that I'm too in the trenches of V, like seeing through Vion's eyes. I don't think I can answer that. Um, cause I, my answer is the same as Vion's answer, which is why not? Like, why not anyone? The idea of justice is that it should be equal and that we should all have an equal part to play in this so that everyone's also equally affected and protected by this. Um, but then Kadrick shot back like, no, right. But, <laughs> but, but also like, very particularly <laughs> this person. Yeah. If you're in the trenches, look, the lesson is 
Vion has so much built in to his family of, of a sense of inadequacy, even just the framing of that, suggests a why not as if he were not adequate justification from the person whom he is. And that embodiment has to symbolize that he was always enough and he was always great, not because of his achievements and like writing books and writing scripts and all of that, but from his own being, how he interacted with others, how he made changes with others how, as Cadrax alluded to, but like, it's not just a why not. It's a guy who felt, seemed like he felt like he was always not quite measuring up. And that is someone who absolutely should be embodied and chosen. I also because like- Because he was always excellent. I like what Omar said, the, the death of the individual thing. Very much a like, you were someone who had a story left. Like, Vian was someone who had a story to finish. There was room for growth there, and that the story was cut short. This gave Vian an opportunity to, like, for redemption of the self. And I, I don't know, that I feel like there's something there, too. Just, like, you were, the, the, like, who you become was always inside. Like, you, you were always headed there along that line. But you just had, they just had to give you a little more time to get, to, like, see that version of Vian. Like let that let, peel back those layers until there you are. Like like say you've been there the whole time. You just you just needed a little bit more time to get to the last few pages. I think, and I think that that that's kind of I don't know. It's just real. There's just a lot of beauty in that whole plot line, and it's so. I love him. I, <laughs> he's too cool to die thinking he's a fuck up. He's not. Yeah, right, right? Yeah. It is personally. I, I like to think that the. Spirit of Justice was just a fan of that movie that was made out of the <laughs> oh I thought it went without saying, but yes, no, absolutely. Uh, big fan, big fan. Um, anything else to add there, Omar? I think it's, you know, it's interesting. We, we got that information very late in the game. And I think with like characters that are looking at like a meta narrative, it's always just like, ah, oh, man, that the moves you're asking us to make are tough. Uh, and we hate you for that. But I do wonder if there is something with the spirit of justice uh, and, and you know, the um, this deity that oversees the way, which is a revolution in itself. And like you were just saying, Caitlin, like there is a kindness in that, in choosing someone. Cause we do, this story exists in a universe of ghosts and there are people who are preserved in their moments. And that deity chose Vion to not be preserved in that moment and to be like, you'll keep going. And while it does feel like we got time ripped away from us in a way, it was provided and there was like a service to that. And so I think there is a, a greater reality where it's like people don't get that time and there is another deity that's going like, nah, screw that. <laughs> and I think it's, and we didn't get to spend a lot of time with that deity, but like the idea of the way being a revolution against how it, it, the universe says like this is how I operate it, that if that's not the most power play thing I don't know what is you know <laughs> just on a much different level um but yeah I mean that's cool and it's like you know again it's like I also am sort of only thinking about this stuff you know sort of or a lot of it now and it's like I would also I don't know maybe that maybe there is an idea that like the previous host of the spirit of justice who we do not we do not see the immediate previous host of the on maybe that host had like an anger problem and and the way the way shows you the way that you need mm -hmm. and, and maybe maybe the spirit of justice needed to be somebody who needed to fight through anger and find kindness and and Vion was the 
the personality that had that potential, you know, so maybe, maybe it was for the way, maybe, maybe it was for, for the spirit, maybe, you know, it was for the world. It's like, there, there there's so much rich stuff in there. And it's like the kind of thing that you can just kind of assume whatever you want, you know, whatever makes the most sense to you, you know, um, Gemini lightning again, ask Sam, um, what was Cadrax's relationship to the choir beyond before the campaign? How did that change throughout? And where do you think that relationship ended up by the end of the campaign? Hmm, that's awesome. a lovely question. Oh, sorry. So, no, I mean, just like Gemini Lightning's been asking some, some uh, fire questions and yet also sonic questions so that I might answer. Um, Cadrax is uh, rurally coded relative to their own culture. Uh, they grew up on like a mining rock kind of thing and the Crystal City uh, was a place they moved after it was destroyed and they very much had a like bull in a china shop kind of feel. But like part of that was also um, as part of rural coding, it, at least in America, that means that they had like a, a, a church on Sunday every week sort of relationship to religion prior to any Eversinger stuff. It's why they were, uh, they they clearly believed in it as a thing in principle, even before they became Eversinger. Uh, we see that with like, they were kind of hoping that from Sonneville as early, uh, way be before they even got stabbed. Um, and so that was sort of the perspective I started with. And then from there, it's, to have your religion empirically proven in a way by your own existence gives you a certain sort of confidence in like just what is up with it. They brought you back and then they have to contend with, okay, like they brought me back and they had that whole, like that was, that exploration comes up at and peaks at the trial where they're like, okay, but why me though? Um, it is just really about that having been a question that they grappled with ever since they became Eversinger. Um, but also by extension, given that they were a fuck up of a squire, like it was really important that like, okay, if, if you're gonna be a chosen one, you were a chosen one immediately after you espoused anti-colonialism. So your religion is real and they want you to fuck up colonizers. And that is the lesson that Cadrax took from it unerringly, constantly, that like there's no other justification to bring me in particular than what I was doing, what was important. It wasn't who I was necessarily, but it was because I had this moment and I had this angle and y'all need to hear this. And so let's just like actually, actually show this. It wasn't really, to Caldrax's mind, at least it wasn't really about them. That like they had to continue being that kind of person to continue being sort of like this ever singer. And it's why they had like, they always considered it contingent, a limited gig, not forever. It was to serve a purpose for the choir beyond. Um, and I think they, I think they were doing that and I'm really proud of them. Like they grew on that a lot. Like they're, they're again, the tip of the spear of colonization and they, they learn. And that was really what I wanted to get to with Cadrax the whole time. It was just, that then they also got to help spread that message in a way that would get heard. And they're going to spend their time as Eversinger moving on, continuing to fight 
the colonization that their people perpetrated. And I think that's just, that was something I really wanted to bring home because it's, it's, I don't know, for me, it's significantly more comfortable to play from uh, the marginalization that I have than to inhabit toxic, painful privilege. And I'm very lucky that I had the cast. I had to even go close to that. Um, but I think it's a, an equally important conversation because colonialism, white supremacy, those are white people problems. And like coded white people figuring out how to fix themselves. No, we're not going to get an ever singer. Um, but we need to have those stories too. It's important that those conversations be had. Otherwise it just shifts the burden of all of it onto POC. And it's a white people problem. That's not where the burden belongs. Uh, so that's really, that's really what Cadrex's story and whatever being an ever singer became about to me and to some extent also to them. Um, our next question comes from somebody who probably already knows the answer. Um, this is uh, 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 Dale Destiny Ben Dixon Kingsmill um, wants to know, who do you think was Rick's scariest bad guy? Um, and, uh, you know, I guess your choices here are probably like Curtis Haber and Perfecto, the Knights of the Red, the Alpha Combine, the Red Mist. Um, there were, you know, there are obviously a whole lot of others, but those are probably your major ones. The police, you know, I mean, like. institutional. Uh, <laughs> no, I think for like that, we had a lot of things that like at at our level, you know, it's always going to be the scariest thing we'd face at that point. Um, but I think personally, I for ben, from Benny's perspective, uh, Knights of the Red because they took away the thing that made her feel like she could was worth anything in this situation. Um, and then she was able to, you know, prove herself. But at the time, like she was going into it, not knowing if she was going to make it out kind of a thing. So I think for her, from her perspective, I think those fights were probably the scariest. Omar. I mean, uh, quiet Daryl for me you know like I genuinely like was uh, the first villain that Vion as the spirit of justice went up against um, and I remember just being terrified in that episode the entire time uh, and for me as a player it is uh, we have all of these power sets that we kind of sharpen and hone after like saving someone in a construction you know uh, facility and stuff like that uh, the onus on two characters that have, or the pressure on two characters that have like mostly defensive or predictive abilities, <laughs> um, dealing with someone like that, I was like, this is terrifying. Um, and also someone that Vion couldn't charm his way uh, around. Um, you know, so it is, uh, that was genuinely, I was like, the power sets, this is struggles. <laughs> we got to figure this one out. Um, so yeah, I'd go right to the source there. Jam? Okay, um, so Knights of the Red scare Cadrax a lot because if those were all the reasons I mentioned, um, the Knights of the Red are the, are 
the enforcers of uh, the systemic status quo. And so the ability of um, the Knights of the Red to just permadeath Cadrax uh, is also silencing of the very important thing they had to do. It's not just about them getting death. It's about why they were there in the first place um, and why uh, the home planet in the myth crumbles when you kill the Eversinger because they're there for a breaking reason. Um, but also, um, I'm trying to go through my notes for the lore drop. Um, he was played by Michael Emerson. Um, mind control boys will always scare the heckity out of me. The management, management. Management. Management, thank you. Management is scary. Just like I sit here trying to tactics and it's hard to tactics. Especially when you don't know exactly how they're doing it. Are they doing it through eyes? Are they doing it through pheromones? You don't, you don't know. They're just controlling minds. God, I forgot about I, him. That, yeah, he got, for Benny, that's, oh. I think that would have to yeah, be up there too. With their, for, for, for the beefies? Oh, yeah, that's scary as hell. This and nobody does scary like Michael Emerson, seriously. Um, B? Um, so I think, uh, I mean, I might be echoing a lot of the answers simply because like Sonneville and the Knights of the Red, especially for Ulez, represent the downfall of their whole heckin' planet. So, you know, uh, it's just not That's a fan fair. favorite. Yeah, yeah. And I'm really like, okay, I have, I have a very real question to ask and I've been mulling over this and trying to figure out how to phrase it. Declan Eklund was like 100% villain, right? Like just a hundred, like he was doing experiments on people. Yeah, he was a smart, insightful guy, but he was pretty damn evil, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, still one of Ulesa's friends. He was obviously Tentative allyship uh, with questionable morals, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think he, yeah, captured... In a, in a different world, under different circumstances, he probably still would be evil, but you never know. <laughs> um, oh, that's great. But yeah, no, no, that's... He was another one of those characters that I grew, I really grew to love, like in an unlikely way. You know? Same. Um, like I knew he sucked, but like I, I and or Ulez wanted him the opportunity to be better, and then he died. You always find one you want to adopt, and like no. everyone's around you. It's like, no, it's got rabies. Don't yeah. bring it in here. And, and worms. Like, but I, I want to keep this one. So. Yeah. Like for me, it's like you know. I don't know if I have a favorite villain. It might be Donnell Tyrannin just because of, you know, <laughs> how long I was with him. But like, yes. you know, uh, I, I, I never found a place to put it in, in the game because it didn't really make sense from an in-universe perspective. But like all of the villains of our series kind of like add up, like that's kind of like big, big bad addition. So it's like Curtis Haber was like a villain who tries to pit his enemies against each other. And End was somebody who believes that power belongs to the powerful. And Perfecto was a villain that was almost impossible to kill. And the Knights of the Red were fueled by hate and vengeance. And the Alpha Combine only wants to destroy things. And the Red Mist tries to pit his enemies against each other, believes power belongs to the powerful, is impossible to kill, is fueled by hate and vengeance, and really only wants to destroy things. And it was like, you know... Bit by bit, we were kind of like adding our way up to the, the you know, the, the, the whole picture, getting to explore inch by inch, like each different kind of face of the, the ultimate evil. And it's like, I, I you know, I, I kept looking for a place to drop that, but it just, you know, it didn't make sense to say it within the world. So it was like, I kind of loved them all because they all kind of fit together, kind of like different sides of, you know, 
of a cube or something like that. So you know how we told you how good at this Rick is? You know how we said that? Like Rick is really, really, really good at this. So goddamn good at this. Put her at demonstratum. Let's go. (laughs) Jesus. I love that. Too nice to me. All right. So Night Dragon gives us the lightning round. We're going to go one by one. And, and, and you got to answer real fast. Are you ready? Uh, we're going to start with B Zelda. Pie or cake? Cake. Little bit country or a little bit rock and roll? Uh, neither. <laughs> Pizza, Chicago or New York style? Windsor. Ooh. Ooh. Favorite doctor, like from Doctor Who? Oh, Tenant, Ten. Um, dragons, awesome or really awesome? Ah, uh, really awesome. Okay, Sam. Pie <laughs> or cake? I win. Cake. Little bit country or a little bit rock and roll? I just described how I am country. Chicago or New York style? I am in a coded New York, therefore Port Ruby style, aka <sighs> New York style. Thank you. Favorite doctor? It would be the height of ego to say myself, therefore David Tennant. <laughs> Dragons, awesome or really awesome? Can I fight it? <laughs> um, yeah, why not? Really awesome. <laughs> they can fly and I can fight them. They're perfect. Omar, pie or cake? Pie. All right. A little <laughs> okay. bit country or a little bit rock and roll? A little bit country. Okay, I respect that. Pizza, Chicago or New York? Chicago, baby. Oh, you're dead to me. Okay, uh, favorite <laughs> doctor? Uh, Capaldi. Oh, okay. Uh, dragons, awesome or really awesome? Really awesome, especially if Sam's fighting them. Caitlin, yes. pie or cake? Pie. Little bit country or a little bit rock and roll? Both. Chicago or New York style? Deep dish, baby. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I don't even know you people. Okay. You know what? Uh, I'm full five hours away from Chicago. Don't even start. <laughs> favorite doctor? Uh, Eccleson. Ooh. Oh, I respect that. Um, dragons, awesome or really awesome? Really awesome. I have an hour long episode of a podcast about how <laughs> awesome my dragons are. I was a dragon kid. <laughs> really right. awesome. I'm going cake. I'm going to go both for country and rock and roll because mm-hmm. I'm like a great okay. fan. Um, New York style pizza, of course. Mm. Favorite doctor. Um, this is really tough for me. I, I, I deeply love David Tennant. Christopher Eccleston is a really strong candidate, but I'm going to oh, go Amy with Amy Dallin. What's wrong? I'm going to go with Amy Dallin. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. How could I? I apologize. Oh, that was Cadrax. Cadrax doesn't know yet. Oh, I, I answered for Cadrax. And, uh, dragons, uh, they're really awesome. Really awesome. Um, so that takes care of the lightning round. Thank you, Night Dragon. And now uh, we are we, okay. We're at the three-hour mark. We're just going to go a tiny bit over here, not too far, because I asked the players if there was anything that they wanted to ask each other. Any kind of intra-player questions. Um, so uh, the the first question came from Omar and was for me. How did you go about building Port Ruby? And then how did you go about keeping the city uh, cohesive so it felt like a real space? And, uh, you know, for me, it's just like I, I lived in, you know, in New York and, and um, I, I've lived in Manhattan and Brooklyn and Queens and, you know, Jersey City and Long Island and like sort of all around. Uh, so it's like I, I kind of just, you know, I, New York is 
kind of you know just in, in my blood and just like whenever whenever somebody said they wanted to do something i was just sort of like all right where, where are we headed now in the city you know and it's like um and what was so great about port ruby was that like it was new york when i wanted it to be and then when i wanted it to be something different it could be our place you know and and um uh, and and like everything else i kept extensive notes i have whole lists of every location they ever visited what what you know, county it was in, what town in what county, if I said anything about the building or an address. Um, Sam um, asks, what's Vion's favorite coffee order? We heard a lot of, we heard, we heard a lot of different coffees. Does he have a favorite? Yes, it's a Cortado. Cortado. We learned about those right? in the last season. <laughs> yeah, real quick, tell mm -hmm. tell us what a cortado is, so everybody's we're, we're sure we're on the same page. Um, it's oh, I don't have my Gibraltar glass here, but it's it's a uh, like a like a latte has like a ton of milk and espresso, um, a macchiato, right? It's just like a shot of espresso with a mark of of cream. This is sort of like in the middle, uh, even less so than a cappuccino. So you can just sit. It's like a shot glass of like espresso and cream like mixed together so you've got like different layers of texture a little bit uh but it's just for me the perfect amount of a drink it's like a good two minute coffee drink um that sounds delicious by the way um so b asks uh the other three players what powers did you consider taking before you settled on what became your power play character uh caitlin I think I, I already know one of the answers to this. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of had talked about doing some sort of like Hulk or werewolf kind of emotional based uncontrollable. I knew something uncontrollable. I actually, Maggie's power, um, I was I was going to do a Magneto style, like metal or mag magnetic bending. Uh, I don't remember if I had another... I think that might have. I think those might have been the only things I thought about was like either some physical change or... or uh, 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 Mental metal bending. Omar? Um, I think either I think it was flight. I think it was a similar thing with like the the one shot I was able to explore that where I was like, it would like a dream of mine would be to fly through a city. I think it's really fun. So Oh man, I love that character. Um Sam. Uh we already talked about how I wanted to be ice. Now on this, after it's all over, I wish even more that I uh had been that ice character, but I'm happy that I was Cadrax, gosh, being a, a, a magnet-powered angry yid would have been so fun. Though, magnetism is such a good power. I endorse you entirely, Caitlin. Um, but we're just very lucky I wasn't Simon the whole time. I could have been uh, Simon. Yeah. That would have been so bad. That would have been so bad. It would have had so much fun. That's so bad and morally reprehensible and scary. <laughs> yes. Uh, and you got to use to fight Nazis, so amazing. Yeah. Mm, right, though? Yeah. Wait, right, that makes using, it okay. I got to do it the one time. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, when you're using it to kill Hitler, it's very cool. Um, Caitlin wants to know uh, what everyone's favorite hug. That sounds like a joke, but I'm completely genuine. I want to know in which game, uh, which in-game hug you f uh, was so good you felt it in real life. I feel like there's a lot, but I really have to pinpoint the moments where it was like felt um, the finale and correct me if I'm wrong, Caitlin. Um, but as Ulez was kind of like having uh, the internal fight for their life. Um, and when they finally came to, I feel like there was like a, can I, can I hug you? Oh, you were, your, your head, uh, Ulez's head was in their lap, in, in her lap and she, she gave like a, like a total encompass. 
like that was the one that was just like well like like where everything just felt so awful and then there was that moment of like softness and kindness that was that was the hug that gets the the golden star i loved it i love it so much <laughs> uh for me i think it was when we we're at the lake house and um benny gave Vian a hug um when they were both in the house that was mine too yeah <laughs> um Cadrax is just a play a character who's built to hug you only build someone that's stoic and standoffish and uncomfortable so that you can spend the rest of your time warming them up um <laughs> so i got to go from like oh this is happening and like also y'all chat peep how how beautifully the players when they see Cadrax stiffen up like it's an I don't know what to do with my arms kind of thing because if any of these thought that like Cadrax was uncomfortable that wouldn't happen because they care about their characters like body language expressed consent it's just such a good thing and just such a small detail of why these guys are great um, but like they get to slowly warm up at giving hugs over time so um, that journey because I can't remember specific moments of anything to save my life. I have to say the the lake house hug when Vion gave Benny the camera. That I think was the first one of the first ones where I was like, oh, I I felt yeah. that in my body. Um, just honestly, same same one with Ulas. The 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 whole I felt that one too. And then um, uh, with Cadrax, the it was like the the like lean the like lift and lean oh, the very the like it wasn't even a full hug but i was like oh i feel like i feel the warmth from that one like that <laughs> it was i think was that that was after dino wasn't it yeah because they didn't full-on hug but they no, would like was, lean it was a lean yeah and i was well, like it's free no. you're free to move away yeah yeah so it's a good like if you aren't totally good at reading humans mm -hmm. it's a way that you cannot like keep things within their boundaries of physical consent yeah. Yeah, it was a, yeah, that one, that was as, as big of a, as a hug in my mind. <laughs> yeah, I love a good thing. Such a hard question because so many of the great emotional moments of the game are topped by hugs, you know. Um, Cadrax's final hug with Abigail, maybe? <gasps> 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 Sorry, you know, I mean, that yes, felt like, yes, yeah, that it was had me. so much behind it, you know. Um, I think Benny once hugged uh, uh, Jerry Mink. I've hugged Jerry Mink, yeah. Yeah, that, that also I kind of felt for real because, like, I, I sort of felt the realness of, of, of their, you know, weird relationship mm. with each other. Um, but yeah, oh my God, it's like there's like a thousand of them. It's such a tough, tough question. Um, so uh, Omar actually had a second question um, for Sam How yeah. are you so smart all the time? Yeah. Okay, no, that was a joke question. Can we please move on? Um, no, because I, I already said my answer in the Discord. Um, which is, and I'm not looking at it right now, so I won't summarize it accurately. I rewind time and try over uh, every time I say something that really isn't all of that great until I find the best thing I can find uh, that will actually impress my significantly more impressive friends. Uh, this, my existence, it isn't even quite the highlight reel, like I said in the Discord. It's, you know, sometimes you go one take past the one that was really good. We are, I think, living in uh, my short-term rewinds of uh, the take one stale of the good thought. The answer is always time travel shenanigans, yes. folks. Um, uh, <laughs> Sam also had another question. What was everyone's favorite science use of powers and <sighs> why was it Benny's sodium th uh, thio... Glycolate. Yeah. The perm solution. Yeah. Yep. 
Perms on fire. Yeah, <laughs> it has to be that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Thank you, Legally Blonde. <laughs> Thank you, Legally Blonde, and the perm I got in February 2020. Uh, oh. it li- literally, Rick, you're you're being like, sure. To me, like you, every response to every question I asked, with was like the highlight of anything I've ever done on the show. Like I don't know what's going on, so I'm gonna say yes. I mean, that was a great moment. It was fantastic. Um, I'm gonna defeat aliens with solution yes i mean it was, oh my god it was like one of those just like just complete genius role-playing moments um so my question and this is not so much a question um but uh for everybody real quick tell me something anything about your experience with power play or your character that i don't know I'm sorry, was there some corner of power play that you allowed us to maintain on Plumbed? <laughs> and if there's oh, not, is this, there's is, not. This just a, is this just a direct, an indirect way for you to say you want to see our live tweets in the in the Defenders group chat? Is that like, <laughs> is a ploy? Is this a ploy? <laughs> no, <laughs> we, I'll say that no, directly over and over. Wasn't there something that I was keeping from you and it just like, I will just see if it pays off and I was right and it just absolutely drove you up the wall? What was That's that? right, yeah. We had a couple theories. You we had were, like, theorized. Yeah, yeah, a couple of our theories that were incorrect yeah. but like are really close or, yeah. Heck. We were correct. There were a couple times where it was like, we got it. Like, we nailed it in one. Uh, and that I think that's really fun. I don't even know if we told have like had gone through all of those. I mean the the music, the doing the music. You didn't know about that until the very end. You didn't know we did that. Yeah. Uh, that was um, great. Like for me, I, I throw out here. Um, uh, I, I pirated the name Ostrovia uh, from a uh, Charlie Chaplin movie called The King in New York, which <laughs> is about which is about a a, a dethroned prince who winds up in New York hmm. City. Now he's actually the hero of the movie. But like, um, you know, it was it was sort of a very, very subtle, like kind of yeah, clueless what was going on there as we had our own king in our own New York. Um, but yeah. Hmm. I really don't know. I feel like so much of it, we all talk so much. We all just like, and Rick was so good about checking in all the time. Like this was, there was so much communication, like all the time. And not like that, not in like, a, oh, there was so much, like it was all the time. Like it was just like, there was always connection in like a way that like and we, we talk about it from like the first episode that we just immediately like the way everybody clicked and was on the same wavelength I feel like for me at least there was a lot of that throughout the whole thing we were just always in the same wavelength and everything that like I had an idea for I could go to Rick with it and he'd be like yeah cool or like oh that's cool but here's like another thing that'll blow your mind and I was like oh my god you're so like st-. I just I feel like that was just he made it so easy for us to be like Hey, I have some stuff. Here's like, here's quick. Here's a bunch of things. Here's all of them. And okay, well, let's sift through them and pick the one. Like, I, I can't even. I don't even know if I, if there's anything that I could. Well, I could. If everybody that. is stumped, that's probably a really good place to end the Q and A. Because <laughs> oh, oh. Oh. I have one. I went. I scrolled up through uh, Defenders chat to find oh, that's one. So funny. There, our secret, secret Defenders chat. Yes. So yeah. I'm just going to uh, read directly from it. If that's cool with my power players. Yes. Y'all, I really don't think Rick understands how much we like him and like doing stuff with him. What the heck? We've showered him in praise and love for nearly two years. He's silly, lol. I'm going to get him with love. There, now you can end. There you go. (laughs) 
Then had to get one last shot and didn't you deliver? Okay. Uh, no, I love y'all so much, and and doing and playing this game with y'all has just honestly been one of like the highlights of my life. So, uh, I mean, I can never, I can never say how much it meant to me. I don't, I, I got, I got, I don't have the words that capture it. So, um, so the last thing I'm going to address, I saw come up in the chat a couple of times. Um, uh, Bear Wiz and a couple other people asked, "Will there be a power play the next gen?" Um, and uh, I have talked to Patrick Stewart extensively about this. Um, he's a little outside my price range at the moment. Um, but uh, no, seriously, um, I, you know, long ago, the Eagles said that they, you know, when the Eagles broke up, they said they would get together again when hell freezes over. And then a couple of decades later, they got together again and made an album called When Hell Freezes Over. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, so I don't want to be, you know, one of those people who's like, never, blah, blah, blah. I'd say like, you know, right now I am so happy with what we did and how it ended and, and the completeness of what we told. I, I, I do not, you know, I do not see, you know, a reason to go back necessarily to Port Ruby or that universe. All that could change someday. You know, maybe, maybe, you know, we'll all be struck by, you know, the thunderbolt of inspiration or, you know, um, I, I would love, you know, nothing in the universe would make me happier than to find some other game to play with these four incredible people, you know, in some other universe that and, and just kind of start from scratch. You know, I, I can't swear that that will, you know, ever happen either. But, you know, I hope it does. And, you know, I, I, I hope, uh, no, and, and, and I hope everybody just keeps going out and, and, and making stuff and doing stuff and, and, and just... You know, may, may may the four of you just keep pouring your wonderfulness into the world at, at you know, in, in anywhere you can. Um, and, and, and that's probably all I could say about that. Um, uh, and, and I don't know, any and any uh, any any last Q and A thoughts from the cast? I just love you guys. Yeah, <laughs> love you all. <laughs> love you too. And Jake, thank you so much for everything hey, you contributed. Jake, you're implicit yeah. in that. I love you, Jake. We love you too. So, for what I think will probably the last time, let's go around the table and tell the good people uh, where they can find you, uh, starting with, um, I don't know, uh, B Zelda. Hello, all. My name has been and still is B Zelda. I uh, can exist sometimes on the internet. You can find me in pretty much every place if you just look up Zelda. There might be another one, but they're a fake and I'm the only true one. You have to believe it. Um, I do some things right now. I'm a community manager for Alchemy RPG. It's pretty cool. It's an immersive tabletop VTT that um, really gets out of the way and lets you play the game, and I kind of love it. Uh, other than that, I'm playing Transformers, believe it or not. Like, I'm on a Transformers stream. It's very not my genre, but I just get to be an obnoxious car. Um, and even though it's PG, oh, my God. It's not even PG. It's, like, G. So I can't even say, like, butt or heck. It's the hardest thing of my life. You must say heck. I love heck. You're so strong. You're so strong. Oh, it's hard. There's a lot. The poor editor. The poor editor. She does a great job, but there's so many retakes because we all just can't. We're just garbage mouth. But anywho, I uh, I love you all, and this is a very very anti um, anti sad 
Whew, ending, but that's okay. We're gonna pass this off and I'm gonna take the lead to um Caitlin and that's gonna take the pressure off of me. <laughs> Hi, I'm Caitlin. Um, uh, I have been and will always be in my heart uh, one Bennifer Beckett um, and I love the show and these people so very, very much. And I love all of you for watching it. Uh, so thanks for hanging out with us. Um, you can, I, I tweet uh, all of the things that I'm doing so you can find me on Twitter at KKAMABR. Um, or just all of my stuff. Um, I have a podcast it's called Stone Houses, an amateur guide to fiction, fable, and folklore. If you want to hear me talk about dragons for an hour and a half with my co-host, it's great. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, there's a uh, coffee supporters of the stream punks will know that me, me and Sam are doing a two-on-one Star Wars game where I am a little, I am a little padawan and <laughs> sam is my is my shadow knight who's who's gonna ah, we don't know we're figuring it out but we it's two weeks from now week two two weeks from now um, it we will be rescheduled. the the uh 13th of september will be our next uh stream for uh coffee supporters companion so go support the stream punks <laughs> obviously it's the result of that so i know yeah I'll, I'll tweet things that i'm doing um i'm just i'm just very grateful to be here and so happy we got to come back and see you guys and and chat and talk about y'all got to see a tiny fraction of all of our post game <laughs> gushing uh all, all condensed into one 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 show slot so oh, i'll talk for hours about how much i love us so i'm gonna pass it to sam take it take it from me take the take the talking stick i i will gently uh, from your hands rest uh, the vehicle of my oration for I am Sam DeLove, but more importantly, someday I will again be Cadrax Eversinger. I believe this in my heart and I believe this in um, the inevitable live show that we will have sometime when public health permits and stuff. Um, I'm determined and I'm putting things out into the world and all of that good stuff. Uh, but until such time, if you need material to bide that time as you wait, I'm on twitch.tv slash delevely, D-E-L-E-V-E-L-Y. You can find my full streaming and mischief schedule on my Twitter uh, pin tweet at Tchaikovsky, C-H-A-I-K-O-V-S-K-Y. Omar, you know what to uh, do. Yeah, by, yeah, I guess uh, by default. Um, hi, everyone. I'm Omar. You can find me at Omar Najam on Twitter, um, where I'm making uh, jokes about ghosts doing House Hunter stuff. Um, and, uh, also if you want to watch some more, uh, TTRPG stuff, I'm on Dimension 20's A Court of Fame Flowers, which is happening right now, GM'd by the incredible Abria Eingar. Um, and I have something coming up called 13 Days 13 Shorts, where people make art inspired by the themes of Halloween. Uh, but first we need those themes, so stay tuned for how that's going to happen. September 13th, big announcement for that. Uh, and we're doing a lot of really cool stuff this month, uh, leading up to it. And overall, just parting thoughts, just want to say thank you. Thank you all so much. Uh, this show wouldn't exist uh, without your existence, without you. Like, without you uh, celebrating stories and, and supporting stories. Most, impor uh, most importantly, like, why, would, why does a book exist in a library if no one's going to visit it? Um, it has been a pleasure to do this show, and it is such a joy because we get to play these characters, but mostly it's because of all of you. Um, and even if we haven't met or talked, uh, your simple existence affects us in a very positive way. And that's a superpower in itself, ain't it? So uh, please uh, continue to exist well, and thank you so much for joining us on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure and a joy, and it's great that we get to do one little last Q&A here until our um, you know, inevitable live show that Sam was alluding to. Yeah, dude, well said. Yeah, thank you so much uh, to everybody who has joined us throughout the whole series. Uh, and just, I mean, 
it's it, it's it's like coming to, to hang out with your friends every Sunday night, and uh, I think you know we will miss you as much as we missed each other. Um, and uh, uh, before I sign off, uh, one last question um, I am being told came in in the Discord um, from our buddy Drac, uh, who wants to know, um, is there an in-world explanation for the anonymous benefactor? <laughs> now, since the series is over, it, you know, it can technically cannot be in-world because, I, I, you know, all I can do is just say what I think here. And, and you know, it's like there's nothing canonically to support or, or deny this. But I, I, I think the god of the way has a cousin, uh, the demigod of material baubles, um, who uh, uh, just, you know, his job is just to supply people with stuff that is occasionally useful and occasionally, you know, just sits in the bottom of a bag. For yeah. <laughs> They're delivered the by carrier penguins. You cannot change yes. my mm -hmm. view. Time, space, narrative kadabada. Yep. I mean, that confirmed. Is Honestly, I, I, can't, I can't prove that that is not true. Um, mm -hmm. So so that is it. That is the end of the q and I'm Rick Budd. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at rbud913. Uh, um, you can follow the show on, at PowerPlayRPG. And, yeah, I'll just I'll just be hanging out on Twitter. Um, and, uh, you know, say, say hi to me sometime. I, I, you know, the show's over. I, I have nothing. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, this – this has been uh, absolutely incredible. Um, we love y'all. Thanks for, for, for bearing with us and uh, exist well. And thanks for playing with us. Hey everyone, this is Sam Delac. If you like what you heard, please leave a review on iTunes or whatever podcast app you use. Your review helps other fans find the show, which really helps us out too. And if you're looking for other ways to support PowerPlay, follow us on Twitter at PowerPlayRPG for news about merchandise, giveaways, and everything else we do.